I'm Bill with my Swiss Colony catalog getting ready for Christmas. Ooh, Bill, what wonders what await you in the Swiss Colony catalog? Uh, they do have, I still have my coupon for, oh god, what's what's the code? There's a code if you Google online that if you make an order for, for like anything over 20 bucks, uh, when you're checking out, uh, if you put in like a coupon code, you will, they will also send you like $40 worth of free Petty Fours and truffles and stuff. <laughs> Uh, so you, yeah, you can get like $60 worth of stuff if you just make an, like a $20 order at Swiss Colony. It's, it's, it's really nuts. Um, man, it's everything. It's like, they got chocolate mice. They got, uh, they got candy that smells like grandma. (laughs) Jeez. Have you ever eaten anything from Swiss Colony? You made me last year. What'd you think? Um. I can't remember what you thought about that stuff. I can barely remember. So. It is... I mean, it's just the same shit you'd get at the store, except it comes from Wisconsin. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I just finished this stuff because my mom used to get this catalog all the time as a kid, and I remember thinking, one of these days, I'm going to be rich and powerful enough, I can order something Wait. for the Swiss colony instead of having to beg mom. It's one of those things where, like, for some reason, like, they'll have candy or something in this thing, you'll, like, go, oh my god, mom, can I totally get this? Even though it's, like, the same candy you can get at, like, Safeway, right down the street for, like, half the price. There's something but, magical about catalogs, my friends. Especially like Christmas catalogs yeah. and stuff like that. When you're a kid, everything just seems suddenly so much cooler and more magical. Oh man, I remember pouring over the Playmobil catalog when I was a kid around Christmas time. What's the Playmobil? Is that the super... Is that like little cars and shit like that? Playmobil is, uh, I think, German in origin. And it's like... Yeah. Um, it's... How do you describe Playmobil? They're just kind of posable, stylized figures, and their whole shtick is that, you know, you can get, like, modern day stuff, but when I was a kid, I always wanted, like, knights and pirates and cowboys and all that garbage. And they had a lot of really good animals, and, uh, it was just a lot of fun. It was... I pined for it. And, uh, growing up on a military base, there were all these people who had been stationed in Germany, and had brought it back with them. And now you can get it at, like, Walmart. I mean, it blows my mind that Playmobil is now something that's, like, at Target and shit, but... Yeah, Playmobil is the shit. Bill, I really enjoy just making terrifying faces. The uh, I'm not checking the thing that we had like a connection problem. <laughs> so was so was it like Lego stuff? It's kind of like Legos. It's the whole thing with Legos that you build it, but it's like Legos in that they're stylized figures that are all of the same style that are all sorts of different oh, okay. like periods and shit. Did the Germans get this idea from conquering the Danes? <laughs> During World War Two, is that what happened? Well, Bill, did you know that Mads Mikkelsen is Danish? That means he's a part, like part Lego. <laughs> I have a friend of mine who's an industrial designer, and she was going through school and talked to someone who had worked at Lego. And this person claimed that Lego had these really stringent hierarchical structures that um, different. People was 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 each one of the structures a different color? That's exactly that each there was like five <laughs> floors and each floor was a different color and that people who worked on each floor had to wear jumpsuits with those colors what? to indicate what floor they were on. And I'm just looking here and I'm like, do they also have to get yellow spray tans and wander around their hands shaped yeah, like this? Yeah, they have to wear like yellow rubber gloves, <laughs> like like mitts that, that they could only hold things that were like like tubular shaped. <laughs> Uh, later she wow. did actually meet someone who worked at Lego and burst Wait, how do you know someone who's a graphic, or uh, an industrial designer? Bitch, I know people, bitch! You know people who know people! Is, is, is she designing the new, uh, Gone Home, uh, action figure playset? <laughs> I would buy that, actually. Actually, I would totally buy a model Gone Home set. Yeah. Totally would. Gotta get those kids in line, this is an idea. 
I just love the idea there would be no action figures because, well, the only action figures would be like a pair of disembodied hands on a on a plastic clear stand because there's no characters in the actual. game. I like but, the idea that it's yeah. uh, just an empty house. And you can just go pick up all the highlighters and all of the can three we, ring binders and leave can we pile. talk to can we talk to Carla and Steve about uh, licensing uh, Barbie's Gone Home? I'm going to change the subject <laughs> abruptly. Uh, so Bill has Barbie's Gone Home. Bill has the Swiss Colony catalog that he's very excited about. I'm very excited because as I was leaving I the office so on Thursday. Yeah. I saw what? that um, our IT department has had a lot of cookies lately, and they had brought in this box of cookies on Wednesday, and then no one was in the office for half of Thursday, and no one was in the office at all on Friday. And as I was leaving, I'm like, I'm not going to leave this fucking box of cookies, this full of cookies, to get stale over the weekend. So I brought it home, yeah. nobly, because I'm a noble-ass motherfucker. And so now, as we podcast, I will be noshing with my uh, breakfast tea, provided to us by a kind Poyhati listener. Uh, I'm going to be noshing on molasses cookies, triple chocolate chip, Snickerdoodle, and I'm pretty sure this is peanut butter. Jesus. I've just got orange clementines. That's all I've got. There's a billboard on the way to work from a local grocery store chain uh, from uh-huh. Fred Meyers. And the they always do, like, vegetables and fruits on this ad. But um, this, this year, it's someone's Christmas list, all huge. And it just says, like, her Christmas list, something sweet. And then on the left hand of the billboard are some oranges. And oranges are very traditional Christmas present. Don't get me wrong. If you're in, like, fucking... If you're in Little Women or something. But all I can think of <laughs> is this woman in 2013 is like, I really want something sweet! And her husband gets her an orange. She just fucking pelts him with it. I don't want to get married or a PlayStation 4. I want oranges. <laughs> I could easily buy myself all year round. I don't know how oranges became a Christmas time thing. Because, you know, it was funny because I actually bought oranges... A couple orders and a couple apples, just as uh, just to act as office decoration down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, just thinking that for some reason that seemed vaguely Christmassy is because I like it's because he reads Little Women too much, Bill. Yeah, I know. I, I, well, I do like to pretend I'm um, living in the fucking Civil War. This is true. Um, this is why I've also uh, decided during the Christmas t- uh, season to start shitting in a bucket <laughs> just to complete the whole thing. Um, but yeah. I don't in particular. Maybe something about the citrusy, kind of bright citrusy smell or something. I don't know. And I think it was just that it was a precious thing. Like, yeah. for a long time. I don't know. And oranges, I mean, fruit. fruit's an easy stocking stuffer, but you never see anyone put grapes in stockings or anything. Like, it's <laughs> specifically oranges. Not even apples as much as oranges. It's really weird. If um, only there was some sort of giant network of knowledge that we could access to learn about why. Well, who's going to make a Wikipedia entry about the significance of oranges at Christmas? Mother God, is that actually probably is. Yes, it is, asshole. There's no minutiae too minute for the internet. Uh, so what, what, so, yeah, so, but, you know, I wonder if you're going to order Swiss. Oh, Dylan. Dylan turned me on to, was it Harry and George? Uh-huh. It's Swiss Colony for smart people. <laughs> It is really, like, their big thing is, I guess they're uh, local to the west coast of the United States, and they started off as a, they they owned, like, a pear tree farm. Uh-huh. And so their big thing is shipping pear trees, but, like, it's as, as expensive as Swiss Colony can be. Uh, Harry and George is pretty much the same thing, where you can get, like, fruits and stuff delivered to your house, but it is also, like, uh, candy confectionery. But it's even twice as expensive as Swiss Colony! It's, like, super hippie, intellectual, left coast, west coast, uh kind of gift-giving. It doesn't seem bad, though, but it's funny that, like, it seems to be, like, the intellectual equivalent 
of the Midwestern Swiss Colony catalog. Yeah. I think it's called Harry and George. No, uh, I just... Uh, it was just... I just discovered... Yeah, they send, they send you pears wrapped in gold foil. Well, I just discovered why. Because I why? just Googled why oranges go in Christmas stockings. And here's what I have for what you, that? Bill. Christmas stockings with oranges inside became popular by accident. Folklore has it that Bishop, excuse me, Bishop Nicholas, who was born in Turkey in the 4th century AD and became Saint Nicholas, or Santa Claus, dropped three bags of gold coins down the chimney of a poor family with three daughters to give them each a dowry needed to land the husband. The bags of gold landed in stockings the girls had hung to dry by the fireplace. The heat of the fire, the myth continues, melted the gold coins into gold balls, which today are symbolized with the use of oranges. In merry old England, gifts were always delivered in stockings and the Christmas tree as it was known was not used. But in the United States, both trees and stockings have been used for 100 years. Oranges from California and Florida had become commonplace winter fruits throughout the United States by the 1880s. At the time, the newly completed Transcontinental Railroad made it possible to ship these long-lasting fruits great distances, supplying people in far-flung regions with delicious, nutritious food in the dead of winter. Yeah. Oranges are good. Oranges are tasty, man! I'd rather have an orange on Christmas than any other fruit, let's put it. Yeah, pretty much. I'd rather have that than a fucking, um, what's it, fruitcake. Also, or- yeah, that's true. Also, oranges are native in my Animal Crossing town, which I need. It's funny, uh, people were freaking out about, oh, I guess it started snowing this week in Animal Crossing, finally. And that got me thinking, I haven't, I haven't fired up my Animal Crossing town since, like, the second week of, week of October. And I've been busy for the last, pretty much since then. I mean, that's why I've stopped playing in October, because I was busy with work stuff. And hopefully all that work stuff should be winding down at the end of next week. Mm-hmm. And I got it in my head that I want to play through, uh, next starting next Saturday, a week from today, um, try to play through every day of Animal Crossing that I've missed for the last two months <laughs> yeah. to catch up in time for Christmas oh, Day. Bill, I've done that, and it's a bad idea. No, well, I mean, assuming, like, like a, a day's worth of uh, uh, Animal Crossing content is, like, ten minutes. This is true. So if you're playing the tedious through only, ass... like, 60 days worth of... No. How, how much is 600 minutes? It's only ten hours worth of game. Bill, I'm going to throw it out there. You're forgetting the tedious garbage of, like... Uh, uh, like, saving, like, out, going to the main menu, and changing the clock. I don't know, but all I have to do is, like... All I have to do is look for like, holiday-centric stuff, like furniture sets and stuff. I've got plenty of money. I don't have to worry about digging up fossils and redeeming them because my uh, museum's totally full. So my upkeep, my, uh, hopefully I don't have to clean up and everything uh, because when I left my town, it was underneath the beautiful town uh, thing where the, the the villagers are supposed to be keeping the town all clean, so there shouldn't be any cockroaches or weeds. I'm, just I'm saying, curious dude, to see what it looks like next week, though. I'm just saying, so I can be as easy as you want it to be, my friend. I've been there. I lived that life. Did you, about, pal? Did you play anything this week? Uh, I finished. Uh, I finished uh, Assassin's Creed Four. What a fun yeah. game! What a fun ass game! I'm glad everyone's been saying it's 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 at least their favorite since Assassin's Creed Two, if not the, their favorite of all the Assassin's Creed. I games, think it which is, is a shock to hear. It is considering. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. It is holistically the best Assassin's Creed game. It really is. Which blows yeah. my mind. And the reason why is that there is so yeah. there's such a variety of stuff to do that it's fresh. And that variety of stuff to do is almost entirely pleasurable. Like in most Assassin's Creed games there's always something that's there are like a couple of things you don't really want to do and so you'll figure out ways to get around them or something like that. And pretty much the only thing that's tedious left in this game are eavesdropping missions. 
But, you know, other than that, like, it, there's such a uh, breadth of things to do. Like, the... the one, well, the, the one thing I heard people complaining about this game was that most of the missions seemed to boil down to either eavesdropping, trailing, or... It was one of three, like, super redundant kind of, like, rather than just assassinating people, yeah. it was, like, just, like, uh, just fucking around, just, 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 like, monotonous bullshit. Uh, but you you don't think it was that bad? No, I mean, I do hate those damn eavesdropping missions. I enjoy them as a gamer who likes narrative, because they're a good way to, um, uh, flush out characters and, um, like, flush out that world, but they're always kind of, they're not always super well designed necessarily, and mm-hmm. it's too easy to instantly fail them, and once you've failed them, you have to start over from the beginning. So even as someone who really enjoys dialogue and really enjoys that sort of stuff, it's less enjoyable the eighth or ninth time you're forced to hear it because you keep insta-failing because there's a guard that you missed who spotted you or something like that. It's just... Blech. Like, for a game series that's done such a good job of refining so many things that were not fun and making them fun, that's the mm-hmm. one way I think they're still biffing. But ultimately, I can kind of forgive it just because there's so much else that's so pleasurable, and it's, like I said, there's such a satisfying breadth of gameplay that no one element becomes stale. Like, eventually, okay. in most Assassin's Creed games, I love climbing around all over shit, do not get me wrong, but that's all I'm doing. And I can't believe that I enjoy the sailing aspect so much just because they're so different. It's really mm-hmm. fascinating. I'm very impressed by it. Uh, your boat doesn't talk, though, right? <laughs> no, it does not. Did, you, funny, see, uh, did you see that, that Hey Ash is going to Sundance for that? What? Wait, did you not see the Hey Ash What You Playing that they made for um, the Nintendo uh, competition and that they won and they're going to go to Sundance? Wait, what? No, I didn't hear about this. <laughs> hey, Ash, what you playing? So, wait, did... what was this competition? What does Nintendo have to do with Sundance? They did a video... Well, apparently they've had a, a setup at Sundance for a couple of years now, just for gaming. And this year they had a video competition where you, if you made a video about Wind Waker, you could... Um, they would pick a winner. Oh, they submit their hop episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I only make that noise because that's what Beetle makes. Uh, no, it was it was funny uh, because I've been so busy with other stuff and and what little gaming I've been doing I've been doing on either the 3ds or the Vita. Mm-hmm. Or, um, I lent my uh, Wii U to Joshin, my housemate, and uh, he's been playing the shit out of Wind Waker all week long. He's yeah. almost actually be- I think he's almost actually beaten it. And it's funny because he's been playing uh, using the Wii U as exactly as you're supposed to. Uh, he's been playing. He's been playing it with uh, Bahar, his wife upstairs. And uh, but when she wants to watch something on Netflix or something, like she, he'll just keep on playing it on the gamepad. Like which is, I mean, that's the whole hyped up reason the gamepad exists, so you can do this off play stuff, or off TV gameplay. And so yeah, be, as a result of that, he's been able to plow through that whole game in less than a week, pretty much. And uh, he's been having... He, uh, Wind Waker is one of his favorite games of all time. I think Wind Waker was the game that got him back into video gaming uh, after he, like... I think he grew up playing games on, like, the Commodore 64 and stuff like that, so I don't think he was much of a console gamer. Yeah. And so uh, he, I think he bought the GameCube on a whim, like, ten years ago, and the first game he bought was Wind Waker, and that was the game that kind of broke him into... Uh, console gaming, and it was funny because like he's been he kind of fell out of console gaming over the course of the last couple of years just because you know he had other shit to do. But it's right. funny to see him 
kind of getting sucked back in through this Wind Waker remake. And he's been having a really great time with it, too. That's adorable. And so that's been kind of fun to see. And he, he's, he's probably officially used the uh, the Wii U now more than I have in the course of the last year. Yeah. Uh, just by virtue of the fact that he's been playing Wind Waker all week. So, I mean, I, I, yeah, so it's so that's been cool to, it's cool to see. I'm almost done to just leave the Wii U upstairs so he can use it whenever he wants, but I think he only wants to play Wind Waker and that's it. He's not. He's not interested in. in he's not. I was gonna say he's not interested in the robust palette of games available. Yeah, all all two other games you could actually play on the Wii U right now. <laughs> not that um, I can make fun, Bill. How many games have you played on your PS4 or Xbox One? <laughs> this is true. I hey, 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 I played my first quote unquote real game on the uh, on the Xbox One this week. I downloaded the Dead Rising 3 demo. Oh yeah. Which is not only timed so you can only play it for like 15 minutes. It's also you can only play the whole demo twice. It has a counter thing. What? If you play it more than two times it suddenly cuts you off. Uh, which is funny because that's something Nintendo uh, started doing with 3DS demos. So I guess encourage people like I I don't know how many people will just play a demo repeatedly a million times without actual buying the actual game, but I guess the idea of limited-use demos are supposed to curtail people from just, like, playing the demo and never buying the game. That's weird. But yeah, it's weird that, like, not only has Microsoft seemingly lifted the thing where all Xbox games need to have a demo, but now demos can be super limited. See, that cracks me up, because meanwhile, Sony has their whole thing they've established for a long time, where you can have an hour of just playing the game... Yeah. And, you know, and then... Just the actual game, too, not just a demo slice, but just, yeah. like, here's your first hour yeah. of the game. Which, I mean, that can, that can backfire in some games, depending on how well, how they're designed and how that first hour spent. But still, it, you know, it's like... But, I mean, that's that's great, and, well, man, I, after messing around with the Vita and stuff this week, I, I can I can talk a whole lot about uh, the shit that, that Sony's doing so much better than other consoles. Yeah, it's right just, now, like, but. night and day to me. It's nuts. I guess we can talk about this now. I've been playing the Vita because, hey, Annie, you can have your Vita back because I bought my own. Oh, yeah. You lend it to me. Well, and Annie, when did you buy your Vita? I think it may be last Christmas. I think I got it, was as it last a, Christmas. As a, it was a Black Friday sale. Was that like right after uh, Assassin's Creed Liberation came out? Was yeah. that your justification for mine? Yeah. I got a bundle. Uh, well, Annie, yeah. well, I kept on hearing about this Tearaway game, and so I asked Annie if I could buy her or borrow her Vita. And she lent it to me, but she lost the uh, the power cable. And so I went online uh, looking for a power cable on Amazon.com, and it's like 20 or 30 bucks. It's, it's, it's not cheap. And it just happened to be on that same day, not only had Amazon been having a uh, Vita bundle sale where I think it was the Vita packaged with The Walking Dead, Uncharted, and a couple other free games for like 170 bucks. This was like a this is like an hourly sale where it's like only like 140 150 bucks for the whole thing, mm-hmm. and I thought for the 20 bucks I'm gonna drop on a power cable. Oh, I was cool. like, eh, maybe I'll just. And like I said, I got a couple bucks right now. I'm not super rich, but I got a couple no, bucks as a result of print sale stuff. So I threw down for the Vita, and that thing is fucking crazy. Not even the Vita itself. But the once I applied my uh, PlayStation Plus subscription, which I got just because I got the PlayStation Four now, I the sh- I got a, like I yeah. got like a dozen games on that Vita now, despite the fact that the only thing I've bought is Tearaway. Vita is a great little game console. It really is. I it, well, I mean, Tearaway is a great game. I can talk more about that later. But like, well, also even everyone keeps on talking about how tiny and shoddy the Vita library is. Um, but like. Looking at its the games that are downloadable for that thing, they could stop releasing Vitas tomorrow, and I would not regret no. buying the Vita right now. Just yeah. because 
the just by virtue of the fact that you can download all the Final Fantasy games on for ten bucks a piece. Yeah, yeah. Just the, the sheer amount of gameplay from the fact that you can download all these and Final Fantasy and PlayStation One games. Not to say all those PlayStation One games are, are perfect or golden or anything like that, but just yeah. Oh my god, that's so much more than you can do on like the 3DS. Yeah, it's which a, the 3DS is a. I think oh it's a god, viable it's just, ass thing. The only my I, yeah. I love the Vita. I think the screen is sharp as hell. I think I actually mm-hmm. do kind of enjoy the touch controls. Um, I, I think it's it's just a beautiful system. But my only issue with it is my hands hurt like hell, so I need to get yeah. like the grips. Yeah, my um my hands have turned into claws, dude, after I use it for more okay. than fifteen minutes. It's really painful. See, I haven't played too much. I've played some Tearaway, I've played some Gravity Rush, which was very good. Uh, well, that's the other thing too, because I bought like a copy of Gravity Rush because when I went to on onto Twitter to say, "Hey guys, I'm thinking, of, I'm, I'm contemplating buying this Vita. If, if there's anything on sale that uh, you think I should get, let me know and I'll get." One of the, one of the th- the games that people were like, "You got to get this if you get a Vita." Was Gravity Rush, which of course was already free because it's on P- PlayStation Plus. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because even half the games I got for free as part of this bundle were all free because PlayStation Plus just gives you a shitload of free games just right off the bat. And mm-hmm. yeah, no, the hardware seems fine. Um, Tearaway is great because that seems to be designed. So uh, someone on another podcast, I think, it was Mormon Rage on on Player One podcast, mentioned that Tearaway seems to be. It almost seems as if the Vita was designed around this Tearaway game. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about this game? Tearaway? All I know is that it's I... made by uh, Media Molecule and that it's supposed to be yeah, really, same... really good. Yeah, it's uh, Media Molecule, the same uh, studio that did Little Big Planet. Um, this is uh, they essentially made a th- uh, th- um, a third person platformer. It almost feels like an N sixty four era PlayStation one platforming game, which was the last time platformers were kind of a big deal for console games anyway. But yeah, it's all everything's all made made out of papercraft, and you're just kind of running around the world exploring and stuff like that. And but. Um, the way he uses the Vita is really interesting. He uses motion controls. He uses the camera stuff. He uses the touch screen on the front. He uses the touch screen on the back. Um, you're doing all kinds of stuff like where you're uh, interacting with the environment and, 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 and helping fuck up enemies for your little dude mm-hmm. uh, by like tapping on the back screen and your and your fingers fingers will pop up through the back of the of of elements in the background and like actually interact with the game. Yeah. Um, it's got a forward-facing camera, so the sun in the sky is always showing your face <laughs> live, like tell like something out of Teletubbies. That's pretty brilliant. Um, I have to play more of it. It's 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 just, it's really cool. Um, one of the actual cool things, one 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 of my favorite things about the game actually was the fact that you get an in-game camera. I mean, it uses the game uses the, you know the Vita's camera for a couple different things, mm-hmm. but uh, you get an in-game camera that lets you take photos of creatures within the game, mm-hmm. and some of the creatures will, as soon as you take a photo of them, will unlock, uh, will give you an unlock code. So if you go to like the Tearaway site, you can download a paper craft version of that creature in real life that you can make for yourself. Really? Which I thought was I mean, it's the simplest thing in the world. Where I was like, oh. no, that's kind of brilliant, dude. Yeah, and, like, right after, like, one of the first things that happens, there's, like, this little squirrel that comes up to you and says, hey, I'm King Squirrel, I want you to make me a crown, and so you actually have to use the touchscreen to cut out this piece of paper and, like, kind of make him a little, uh, construction paper crown, and right after you do that, you can take a photo of him, and he's like, oh, you, well, now you've unlocked a papercraft version of me that you can download and make for yourself in real life. I was like, oh, man, I'd love to make a little, like, actual construction paper crown for him in real life and have it on my desk, and I might try to do that sometime. Cute, actually. cute, cute, cute. But, yeah, Terraway's great, Gravity Rush is great to play a little bit of sound shapes. That's cool. I've, I haven't even had time to uh, mess with Uncharted yet. Um, 
Oh, there's one crazy demo for the Vita I downloaded today. I need to give you your Vita back so you can try some of this stuff. I should buy you a charger for letting me borrow your Vita. I, I just I just bought up charger and a handle grip thing, so I'm fine. The, it was ten dollars. Thank wait, you, ten dollars. <laughs> uh, what, is it coming to the house soon, or do you already have it? It's. I just ordered it. It'll arrive on Tuesday. Oh, okay. What, like while we were talking? Yes, like literally. That's why I was kind of glazed over and not paying attention. (laughs) I feel bad we're not recording in person now. I could have given you your Vita back. Um, But, um, so this uh, demo for a game called Doki Doki Universe just came out today, too, for the Vita. And I heard other people talk about this game, and I I thought it was like a remake of Super Mario Bros. 2, because the original Japanese version of that game was called Doki Doki Panic. Yeah, Doki Doki Panic, so I don't know why this is called Doki Doki Universe. This is a game made by the games, uh, the guys who made Toe Jam and Earl for the Sega Genesis back in the day, weirdly enough. What this is, Doki Doki Universe, which has nothing to do with Super Mario Brothers after all, is a, a Vita game where you play as a robot who has been recalled by its makers because you don't have enough humanity, you're terrible with dealing with other human beings. And so they decide to try to reprogram you to, to have more humanity, and so they're trying to figure out what kind of personality they want to develop for you. And the way they do that is by forcing you as a player to undergo these psychological pro, uh, profile tests. Um, you, As the robot, you're kind of venturing from asteroid to asteroid, and each asteroid you go to, there'll be someone who will ask you a couple personality profile questions. And it's all just, like, little animated cartoon things of, like, which of three, which of three, these three characters do you empathize with the most? Uh-huh. And the next question will be, like... So it's a void comp show- test, is what you're telling me. It's Yeah, it's a fucking void comp test. And I'm not quite sure what the end... I don't know if this is a game that is even the thing where it has an end, where you can beat it, or if it's just perpetually, like, creating a personality profile for you as a player just to see, just to have hidden insight into your own personality. I say, Bill, did, it, was, what did it tell you you're a sociopath and did it call, like, the, the local <laughs> authorities or something? It's, it's telling me to call the police right now. <laughs> just turn yourself in. <laughs> draw, draw in, case, in case you're tempted to kill yourself before the police arrive, draw a body to the maps. <laughs> or draw them after the bodies. Confess your sins. Uh, no! saying that I am artistic, creative, and wildly athletic. (laughs) So I was like, that's a very flattering game, but you don't know what the hell you're talking about. No, actually, the personality stuff was seemed actually kind of on, on, because it was very much like you're super romantic, Mm -hmm. idealistic, but you're also kind of cynical fuckhead. But for some reason, it just assumed that I was weirdly, the athleticism thing was obviously a little bit off the mark. (laughs) Um, but that sounds it's, really intriguing. So, uh, yeah, I want to. I'm intrigued about all these things. I'll have to go. It's try. it's a little hard. Like I said, I'm not quite sure if there's an end point to the game or if it is just like kind of like a psychological toy you can play with. And there's no like Animal Crossing, except instead of collecting furniture, you're just collecting information about yourself. Mm. And like, I don't know if there's going to be a, like a boss battle or any way you can end the game. Maybe maybe, maybe because the interface is your. Uh, in the spaceship going around from planetoid to planetoid uh, doing all these tests. I'm assuming you run out of tests after a while. And maybe once you do that, you get some kind of reward or something. But that's just a really weird idea for a game. Yeah. Hmm. One of the weirdest ideas I've heard for a game in a while, where it's not a game, it's a personality test. And how many people are interested in being psychoanalyzed by, uh, like, a little robot game thing on the Vita, so... Hmm. It's, it's the full game... That, 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 that was the free demo. The full game seems to be about 15 bucks. 
Which is a little steep for a Voight, Voight comp test. So Voight comp I, test, I think that's a totally valid amount of money to play for something that's that unique and different. That, that unique, yeah, exactly. I'm just saying... They could have charged an extra five bucks and just called Gone Home too. Is all I'm saying. Gone Robot. So, but yeah, no, uh, the Vita cool. Yeah, is, yeah. Uh, circle back a little bit to Assassin's Creed Four. Um, like I said, I beat it this week, and it's a fascinating little game. I think I like it. I think I like it more than any other Assassin's Creed game, largely because I feel like it's a, the most self-aware Assassin's Creed game. It's very mm-hmm. clearly a different team. And they didn't, they did this clever, I know a lot of people were um, on the fence about the metagame stuff. Um, for those of you who not play the game, or Liberation for that matter, Liberation, the way Liberation is presented to you is that you are actually, the, you the user, are a user of an animus system. And that yeah. you are interacting with an animus entertainment, or excuse me, yeah, Abstergo entertainment product. And by reliving the life of um, Avalyn, you are actually doing, you're using a, an Abstergo product. When you boot it up, it says an Ubisoft product, and then it says Abstergo. So, yeah, I do love that stuff, yeah. So, Assassin's Creed 4 kind of continues with that. There is, rather than being Desmond, you play yourself, ostensibly, and there's all this first-person um, element where you're in Abstergo, and you are doing research. They have managed to extract... Desmond's memories from his uh, from his dead body. Spoilers: He died at the end of Assassin's Creed Three. And uh, uh, wait, is this revealed in Assassin's Creed Four, not Liberation? Is what revealed? The fact that they've downloaded Desmond's memories. Um, at Liberation, you're not playing memories abstracted from Desmond. You're playing memories extracted from someone else. Oh, I see. This... So, what Desmond's not allowed. I, what Desmond's not allowed to have female ancestors? How does that work? He's he's subject sixteen, so there or seventeen, so there were, or you're subject seventeen. I remember, but there oh, okay. there have been an, that many as many subjects with as many memories. So as you interact with this environment, you can hack computers, and some of the computers you hack give you things, uh, information about the world as it stands now. But a lot of them, a surprising number of them, are about. Um, uh, they basically do analysis of all these um, environments and scenarios that they've extracted from Desmond's memory, and so they look at they do this market market viability analysis of Altair, Ezio, and Connor, and all yeah. three are rejected as not being viable. They're like, oh, Altair is too weird and enigmatic, and he's hard to actually identify with. He's just kind of a murderer. And they're like, Ezio yeah. is kind of he's just kind of a ladies' man, and there's not really much to him, and you know, and they're like. Connor, Connor is weirdly stoic and frankly too foreign for our audience. <laughs> it's just like this, this great self-aware critique of of these characters. But what? So what? Like, uh, what's his name? Pirate guy. He suddenly he's like the badass, sexy guy that they're like, yes, we got to go with this guy. Well, the thing is, is that they're like he's a viable property, right? Because he's charming yeah. and he's all these things, and he it makes sense that he's a rascal and he's killing people. And it's very funny. But one of the things they do is one of the documents is a rundown of all of the Assassin's Creed. Um, uh, scenarios that e- are currently in development. And so they identify the Connor game, they identify the Ezio game, they identify the Altair game, but they also talk about other times and other places, and then they show concept art. 
And mm-hmm. if you're an Assassin's Creed nerd, they have this whole UbiWorks thing, this um, UbiWorks shop where they do like comics and books and and just art and stuff based around um, Ubisoft properties. And they do they've done a great couple of comics with um, Cameron Stewart and Carl Kershaw. And um, oh, those are the guys that did like the Assassin's Creed in like Revolutionary Russia, yeah. in, like, like 1914. Yeah, yeah, okay. And they're doing another one too, and I apologize, can't remember the setting now. But so, what are these settings that like well, would you suggest at. these could be future games? Do you yeah. remember? Do you remember the leak that everyone assumed was a, a Prince of Persia game that was the big burly Egyptian guy wandering around ancient Egypt? Do you remember that leaked yeah. video? Well, yeah, not even, was that even leaked, or was that just even part of like a like a VGA announcement? It, it like was never. It was never an official thing, and it was oh, okay, obviously okay, okay. not anything that was ready to present. It was just a little video clip that got out. Concept art of that character looking at the pyramids was one of the art shown in this concept art like array. Like there were mm-hmm. some pieces that were just pieces done through UB Workshop for whatever reason, maybe as exploratory things and maybe just as art. But that that yeah. character in Egypt was explicitly one of the things. So it was like a cute little I don't know if it was just a nod that yes this was in development and you guys saw it and whatever. But um it was just a it was a neat little thing. I really ultimately I thought all the metagame stuff was pretty enjoyable and they showed um they kind of laid some groundwork for other Assassin's Creed stuff. And what was great is that in this email chain that you're reading that talks about these potential different scenarios, or in one of them, there are these characters who are having, there are these people in Abstergo having conversations like, wow, you know, the Animus is amazing. We don't have to just do things about violence. If we can be anywhere in history, we can do any time. Like, I had an uncle who was the assistant to Albert Einstein. Wouldn't that be amazing to use this technology to just grow our understanding and knowledge and be at this moment of history? someone else responds like i will be some fucking nerd sitting next to another nerd as he thinks real hard it's like so wait this is an assassin creed's for assassin's creed 4 yes this is all in the game it's like this oh, very la, la, la. cute very clever little self-awareness okay that's actually pretty funny that i okay, really yeah. enjoyed quite a bit so i, I uh, but also look, i'm you... almost done i swear to christ so my no, big, no, 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 no. my big complaints about assassin's creed i really feel like they heard like not literally but like they addressed pretty much all my complaints which were a sense of fellowship they addressed that with the pirates and this pirate community and then women they kind they kind of address the women problem in assassin's creed i don't want to spoil it but eventually like there's a woman who becomes incre- there are two women in the course of the game who serve two different but incredibly important roles to your to edward that are kind and, and, the, and your relationship with them is non-sexual and non-romantic. They're just your I was about to ask, are those roles his penis and his mouth? No, Bill. Thank you. Oh, but, but. Are they historical characters? Yes. Is it, is it like Anne Bonny and... Uh, Why, Bill, play the game and see. Yeah. Mary Magdalene. Yes, you got it. Shocker. <laughs> no, it's it's super... I was really surprised. Very pleasantly surprised by that game. Really, really You know what the Assassin's Creed game I want to play is Brian from The Life of Brian. <laughs> Because it's a historical character who's kind of like in a parallel course to some other famous guy Mm -hmm. whose story you're just kind of helping along, Mm -hmm. but like... I don't know. No, I'm glad to see you really having a good time with... Or had a good time with Assassin's Creed 4, then. My doorbell just rang. So I have to entertain people for the next two minutes with myself. Also, not only entertaining people who are watching us live on air uh, via Google, via the video stuff, which... I can normally entertain with my beautiful new haircut that makes me look like a fat Nazi, or like a bomb bomb, 
if a bomb bomb lived on top of a fat guy's headless uh, body. But uh, I also have to keep in mind that we do have a listenership who is only listening to the audio portion of this podcast. So I should probably try to develop some kind of amusing vocal interpretation impression of a famous somebody that the folks at home would love to hear. I don't know how to do that, so instead... Maybe I'll learn how to juggle oranges while Annie is answering the doorbell. Hopefully she's getting something very... Maybe... Maybe maybe Annie's Vita power cable just arrived. <laughs> Amazon just dropped it off via drone. Um, yeah. Right, Annie? Was it your power cable for the Amazon Vita thing? The only terrible things were you slash are you saying? This is me... T- so was that the Amazon drone with your uh, Vita power cable? It was actually. <laughs> did did your fingers almost get chopped off? Because when you open the door, you'd not expect there to be a flying drone with razor blade propellers dangling right in front of your face. And when you go shield, when to go shield your eyes, it just chopped off your little sausage sausages into nothing. So basically Google and Amazon are going to have a, a robot war in about four years. Yeah, no, that's going to be great. Yeah, Terminator was, was right. They were just a couple decades off in the, in, as to when the robot war to uh, kill humanity would actually happen. Well, so who was at the door? It was the man lady. So Foley and I have ordered almost all of our presents for each other online. And at some point we decide, I, as a joke, just set the package um... Just still fully in its mailing thing underneath the tree, um, and yeah. fully started doing the same. So now underneath our Christmas tree, you don't have any wrapped presents, but we do have five bo- love, five mail mailers or mailing boxes. Just like a buy a pile of Amazon boxes. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Oh man. This is going to be an interesting Christmas because my wife is not um, not always she she growing up didn't get gifts didn't give gifts so Christmas is very new to her and she gets really anxious because I love Christmas so much and I love presents so much so um, I point blank told her what to get me this year just to remove all anxiety on her part that she yeah I get you after a point where just 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 this this will make me happy yeah so I gave yeah. her a list I'm like give me these things and the funny thing is is that one of the, I literally had the windows open on her computer I'm like this is exactly what I want well here's the thing so I, I told her some other things I wanted like I wanted a Kindle case that had an integrated light in it and, I forgot you have a Kindle yeah yeah I love my fucking Kindle and uh, so she was like I don't know which one to get you so I literally just pulled it up on Amazon and I left it open and I passed her laptop and I said that's what I want. Well, she she as she defended later, I wanted to use Prime, so she used my Amazon account. So I got the email shipping notification and she changed the address on one of the boxes for her order but not both. So it came addressed to me. So I came home and I opened it. And I was like, this is the, this is like every step of the way. This is not a surprise. Merry Christmas. My poor wife. My poor, poor Just think wife. about it. Like, it's like a 12 days of Christmas kind of thing where that just happened to show up a couple days early because it was... too funny. Oh, no, it's great. It was eight and maids you know of what? milking. I used it at three o'clock this morning <sighs> when I couldn't sleep. So there you go. Uh, but, uh, so what was great is that, uh... Uh, my friend Brenna knows that I fucking love presents. Brenna's a sweetheart, and we've celebrated Christmas for a couple years now. 
And uh, we do, she's my co-host on Ladylike, uh, for the listeners at home. And uh, she, she made me basically an advent calendar. Like, she made, she, she just last night, while I was asleep, because I'm fun and I fell asleep at 9.30, dropped off at my house this box filled with a bunch of individually wrapped presents from now to Christmas. So this morning I got to open my first present. I documented it on Twitter, and it was uh, uh, a little. It was like a little Mario um, uh, power up block, like question mark block, uh-huh. with candy in it. I'm so delighted. Get a present every day at Christmas. I've got a similar situation going on too. Um, so the Cards Against Humanity guys, the, ho- uh, the holiday bullshit thing, where yeah. last month they said this thing: if you send us twelve bucks, we're gonna send. You, 12 stupid things over the course of 12 days leading up to Christmas. I got my first one this week with two turtle doves fucking on the envelope. <laughs> That's great. I'll be right back. Uh, I think go, this, go. Was, this was supposed to be the second day's uh, present that I accidentally got on the first day. And inside, yeah, three little uh, bits of coal ins- ins- inside of like a little druggy baggy thing. I thought that was fantastic. This is the first time in my life I've ever actually received coal for Christmas, which that in of itself totally makes this worth uh, $12. And, uh, yeah, since then I have received uh, two other packages. Um, oh, I, I get it now. The envelope for the the one I received yesterday was three French hens. It is three <laughs> chickens with, like, little berets and bullshit. That's great. And the first one I should have gotten... Does it is a tree with like some eggs in the top, which I guess that's supposed to be the partridge in a pear tree. Um, and the other two packages are just like uh, holiday themed uh, Cards Against Humanity card packlets. That's adorable. Uh, so it's been very cool. It's a, that that's 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 been my twelve days of Christmas gift stuff that's been going on. Also, I just realized my head looks like Wilson from Castaway. <laughs> a little bit, Bill. It is kind of what you're. If going I painted it white and just put some blood on it, I've totally got Wilson's hair. That'd yeah, be a no, great I, I, Christmas. Uh, that'd be a great Halloween costume. Yeah, I went to the barber last week. Uh, there's right around the corner from um, where I live. There's a place called uh, what's it? The Modern Man. Yeah, I think it's called. This is the place that they're all kind of. It's all gangs in New Yorky, where the outside has old timey like Civil War era banners and stuff like that. And you go inside, everyone's dressed like it's Portland hipster bullshit. But it's 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 a bunch of cool people. You go in there, you get a free uh, shot of whiskey and a cigar whenever you go in there. And uh, I just wanted a haircut. I just wanted my hair shorter because it was kind of shaggy. and so, so I just told the guy, do whatever you want. Make it shorter. So he, uh, he gave me – he buzzed the, all around the side of my head and on the top part of it down the middle and kind of gave me this like uh, – my housemate, Joshin, pointed out that I uh, have the same haircut as the little kid from Ponyo. <laughs> <laughs> Not Ponyo, but Ponyo's brother. <laughs> Where it's that kind of like 1930s Japanese, well not even Japanese, but like this seemed to be the haircut everyone in any military in the 1930s ever got was, yeah, yeah. shaved on the side, kind of like parted down the middle and kind of floppy on the top, but yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool. And the funny thing is my barber spent the whole time talking about how uh, the two days afterwards, um, after I got my haircut, he was going to go get married and then he and his wife were going to go on a honeymoon at Disneyland. Oh, really? So he spent the whole time talking about how he's going to try to find Club 33, which is yeah. the super secret, uh, the only place in Disneyland where I guess that serves booze. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of fun. We were just talking about all kinds of Disneyland trivia and stuff like that. So That's awesome. I'm glad you had a That was a good time. way to... Sp- 
Yeah, no, it was one of the best haircuts I ever had, just because even though it was one of the silliest-looking haircuts I've ever received, it was a fun time just going in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. Bill, here on this podcast, speaking of gifts, if I can go back to that for a second, uh, last Saturday was our little Billy's birthday. Yeah! And I uh, had to miss your party for various and sundry reasons, but Bill, I wanted to show you your present here on the Boy Hattie podcast. Oh, no, i got to make the picture bigger so I can see what it is. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay. I, I found this at work, and I may have told you about it, and I apologize, but I've been waiting to give it to you. Um, a box of testicoids from what? 19 God Knows. Um, testicoids, it's 100 pills, um, and each tablet contains a purified extract from fresh testicle, 25 grains, and fresh prostate, 5 grains. <laughs> It was made by Reed and Karnick. Karnrick. Wait, are these hundred-year-old testicle pills? Yep. <laughs> that is exactly can what I, they are. Can I eat? They are still them? pills in the bottle, my friend. Because I will eat those. Do not. Do not. Caution. To be used <laughs> only by or on the prescription of a physician. So watch out, Bill. But yeah, I saw it and I thought of you, my friend. <laughs> You know, Annie, how about you get a feel if I would be on testicle, 100-year-old testicle pills that you gave me? <laughs> so here on the side, in tiny, oh tiny print, God. it says, Testicoids, the oral use of testicle extracts must be based upon known constituents as yet undetermined by biological assay, and not upon testosterone as it is not present in a significant amount. The prostate wow. gland contains no physiologically active principle now determinable by biologic assay. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Happy Jesus birthday, Christ. Bill. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, you know what? Ball it will... pills. <laughs> I, think I like how what that says about me, too, that you got me testicle pills. Uh, it says saw... the guy with a high pitched, squeaky voice. Uh, no, you know? mostly it was just like, oh, they're. It's testicoids. I have to buy That's Bill Mudrin testicoids. That's just. We'll have to meet in person next week so we can trade gifts and and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> After recording the flesh. Well, also next week is going to be our our one last podcast before Christmas. That's right. And so we got to get festive with each other. That's we got to put right. Christmas lights on each other's heads and shit. Exactly. Yeah, thank you very much, Annie, for the belated uh, birthday gift. You're welcome. I'll give it to you next week in person. Do not. Oh man, Christ, so do I mean, not take bait- these antique pills, Bill. <sighs> But no, what, what I can do is I can fry him up in the frying pan that a uh, friend and uh, listener of the podcast, uh, Maxwell Motley, got for me. Oh, you got a frying this pan? This is crazy. Uh, she went into my Amazon.com wish list and found that I had uh, wish listed a uh, cast iron skillet, which I've never actually had before. Um, we have actually, we have a number of cast iron skillets in the house, but I've always been afraid to use them because I've never actually, I don't want to mess with a cast iron skillet unless I own it because I was never quite sure exactly how well I'd be able to take care of it. But if I own it, that's, that's a different thing. I don't want to damage anyone else's cast iron skillet, but I've always heard, you know, they're the best things to cook with and and whatnot. And so, yeah, Max, she went nuts. That must have been like a $40 frying pan, which granted she's from the UK. So that's like two pounds. (laughs) The, she she could she could probably pretty much pay my rent for what she spends on 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 bubble gum in a week uh, in the UK. But no, it's, yeah, out of the blue, and this is the other funny thing because the package arrived uh, addressed to me from Amazon. It's one of those things where like, have I bought so much shit on Amazon? I've completely forgotten like what I have or have not ordered. Because mm-hmm. one of those things where like, I don't think I ordered any. What the 
hell is this? Yeah. And I cracked it in a big ass heavy box, and yeah, it's a huge frying pan. I need to. I should have brought it down here just to show on the podcast. It's like this big twelve or fifteen inch. It's it's the biggest pan we have in the house now, mm-hmm. and it's super heavy, but it's nice because it has an extra handle on the other. Uh, not on the handle side, but there's like two handles, so you can kind of lift it like almost like a casserole dish. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just like a frying pan, like you can flip around and stuff like that. But it's yeah, it's fucking huge. And the first thing I did the first night uh, after I arrived, after it arrived, I fried up a couple sirloin steaks in there. Aww. Oh, so good. And I did the Alton Brown thing where I used an, uh, an Alton Brown recipe where I half fried it, half put it in the oven, so half baked, half mm-hmm. fried. Oh man, I still got. I still have a steak left over tonight. Actually, when we're done recording, I'm probably gonna go upstairs and fry up that steak with some mushrooms and some onions and oh, so good. It's pre-season too, so that was really oh, nice. Oh, it's excellent. But yeah, it's it's a Lodge brand cast iron skillet, which everyone seems to agree that's the best uh, best skillet you can you can get these days, especially well, here in America. Now you can. Uh, now you've got you got going on your Marion Ravenwood cosplay, man. That's my joke. All I need is a big basket to hide in. <laughs> I need someone with bad teeth to chase me with a knife. <laughs> I need a pet monkey. That's it, Bill. <laughs> See, the rest of the presents, they just swell themselves out. It's great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that means from uh, Swiss Colony. I know what I'm going to order now. Dates. You eat them. <laughs> there we maybe, go. Maybe some French champagne or vodka or whatever the hell they were drinking with, uh, with Belosh. At the end there, but, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so that was, man, uh, uh, Maxwell, again, thank you so much for the uh, giant cast iron skillet. Hopefully I'm going to use that every day until I drop dead of a heart attack from all the steaks I've been eating. (laughs) Um, but yeah, that thing, oh man, it gets so hot and so, smelled so good. Yeah, that shit is I forgot that, like, things, like, Foley always uses a cast iron Mm -hmm. skillet, and so the stuff she makes always smelled so much better than anyone else I've ever heard smelled cooked before yeah. and it was oh and it's just like that oh it's good oh. shit so yeah. speaking of presents i'm gonna keep talking about presents because i fucking love presents uh like right after the last of us came out a company in um the uk called insert coin announced that they were going to do a bespoke flannel joel shirt so it was going to be they made flannel what is bespoke was, bespoke means custom made so they oh, custom, okay. it's not just any off the rack flannel. They had this flannel made to be the canonical Joel plaid and then cut it and, and, and so, so, uh, so, sewed it, sewed it, it, sewn it. We so are good speakers. Super good. So that it was exactly Joel's shirt. And I was so delighted on seeing this. I pre-ordered, even though they were like, it was way too much fucking money. It converted to American all told is like 170 bucks. I bought two. Uh-huh. I bought two of these fucking shirts, and uh, I bought one in, like, large and one for, in extra large. This is the largest size they had. And my fantasy was, there would be one for Foley, one for me, or push comes to shove, I'm a terrible person, the large wouldn't fit me, but the extra large would, no problem. So I ordered it forever ago, I kind of forgot about it. It arrived the other day, and both sizes were too small. The largest size... 
British man is smaller than Foley and myself. I went back and looked at the website. Since the pre-order, they have added a 2X and a 3X, but we were both I'll like... I'll have you're not the first person to people, people have this problem then, yeah. I'm sure, but I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be that person who returns something to the UK so I can get larger sizes. So we're trying to figure out what to do with these shirts, and then Foley just looks at me and she goes, we're gonna give it to Conley and Jimmy, because they'll probably fit them. Our friends Conley and Jimmy, Conley who co-hosts Lady Like with me as well, are, they love the last of us in a way that is not dissimilar to the way that I love Last of Us, which is with all of my little heart and body. So they uh, came over because they wanted to give us our Christmas present early because they were impatient. They had coincidentally, independent of us, pre-ordered a the um, uh, uh, Normandy statue from Dark Horse that was the monster beast Normandy that's like two feet wide and like a foot tall and it's like this huge ship and uh, Jimmy works at Dark Horse so he was able to get the model that the design and paint job that they made just for Bioware they only made three of these they made them for Bioware employees and Jimmy was able to get one so it's a super limited edition thing and they had bought it for themselves as a gift but when it arrived um, we had let them stay in our home because they had black mold issues this year and uh, they were like, you know what? We got this for ourselves, but Annie and Foley, they did this thing for us. We have to give it to them. So this is like this weird pseudo gift to the nerd magi sort of situation where it was like they gave us a present they had bought for themselves selfishly about video yeah. game garbage and then decided to give it to us and the vice versa happened. This was unmeditated. They just showed up and we just gave each other nerd gifts that we had bought for ourselves. <laughs> so are you not going to go to try to buy the larger Joel shirts then fuck no it was way too much freaking money and there's How no fucking cost? way it was it was when you convert it to american the two shirts cost 160 bucks it's too much fucking money that's more than the vita i bought yeah exactly it's wow. too much fucking money i did it once was that was that it. was that before or after shipping because the shipping could be a huge part of that uh that was before shipping my friend Ooh, i'm gonna those get it some nice shirts though they're pretty um, good shirts huh well I liked them, but that's the cost of bespoke flannel more than anything else. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that. So I, I know how much it costs to make things. Making shit ain't easy, but man, son, no thank you. Yeah. Well, that's, I don't well, that's also the thing. And you know what? Jimmy and Conley look amazing and cute as balls in those shirts, so it's super oh, satisfying because I, I get to watch them in it, and it's delightful. Is it easier for Foley to find shirts that fit just because she's she's... Like she doesn't have to worry about the boo problem so much, dude. She has tits. Have you not? Well, I know she has tits, but like she seems to be more consistently. I don't know. My... At least, well, she's she's she seems like like at least guy sizes she could probably find to more consistently fit her. She can't because she, she's she... like just enough the, 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 because she's of that shape. Well, because she, she's got shoulders and stuff. Yeah, she has a hell of a rack, but she has started binding on and off, which makes oh, really? things a okay. lot easier. And, uh, but yeah, she, we've found, the trick is, it's like anything else. You find companies that do complimentary cuts, and then you just yeah. buy a lot from that company. So, like, vintage, um, vintage-style Wrangler shirts look really hot as hell on her, and they do a lot of really great fabrics, and they cut, they fit really well, and, like, I actually, just for Christmas, she doesn't listen to this podcast, so I can say this, um, fully, if coincidentally you're on a break at work and listening, please stop listening right now, 
for Christmas, I got her a bunch of Lucky Brand Henleys. Lucky is a jeans manufacturer, and they do a bunch of shirt, like, all range of clothing, and it's way too much, but I got a coupon, and she looks so goddamn good in their Henleys. I bought her a ton mm-hmm. of them, and it's really a present for me, because I get to watch her in these Henleys, so I'm pretty fucking pleased with it. Pretty fucking pleased oh, with myself. That's pretty cool. Wait, so binding isn't so much an option for you? <laughs> no. Why? I, I have put on two of my wife's binders, and I still have fucking giant knockers, dude. Doesn't help at all. Not. Re- I mean, it's there are less breasts present, but I still have a lot of breasts. Well, see, that's what I was pointing out. F- Fully and me have big boobs, but you got big boobs. Like you've got like yeah, you've got the yeah, you you've 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 got it where it counts. Where you know, Fully's got big boobs, but like yeah. So I'm just saying, it's a compliment. Merry Christmas. Uh huh. Thanks, Bill. So <sighs> yeah, I was. I now have a giant ass Normandy because I don't have enough nerdy shit in my house. I have. Well, at least you have. At least you own a house. You can stash all that stuff. This though. is true. This is true. So you now can, I, you can we, you can willfully turn your house into a geek museum if you have to. We we nested our uh, Normandy right next to the Skyrim uh, ancient Nord helmet, and uh, yeah, there's some classy. I forgot ass we have that Nord helmet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, Christmas is coming up. I love Christmas. Christmas, Christmas is the best. Man. I just, I just, I just took all my Christmas specials and stuff and just dumped them into iTunes so I could start watching them this week. Uh, what, what is your favorite Christmas special, Annie? Well, a Charlie Brown. We Christmas. should be talking about this next week, but yeah, that's fine. A Charlie Brown Christmas is the best Christmas special. Yeah, time. Charlie Brown. I'm, I'm for some reason the last year or two have become remarkably partial to Rankin Bass's "It Was the Night Before Christmas." Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not particularly, like, great or amazing, but I still, uh, a lot of those Rankin-Bass animated cartoons were designed by Paul Cocker from uh, Mad Magazine. Mm-hmm. I just love his art style. It's very unique, and, I don't know, it's got Joel Grey. You can't go wrong with Joel Grey. Um, so what else? What, what else? else? What else was your week? Uh, so I've been, uh, talking to my wife about video games a lot lately, and old video games mean a lot to me. And so she, we, we finally got around to playing Full Throttle together. I've been talking about Full Throttle with her for like the whole time we've been together just because it is ultimately one of the most important video games to me. It was just one of those things that just hits you right in the right way that stays with you for the rest of your life. And so I, I've, I got ScumVM, and I dug up my copy, and I uh, we played it. I uh, pushed it to the TV using our Apple TV, and we played it together. And it was so funny because she... Um, that game is still, to this day, a really beautiful game. Like, the art style is really great. There's a lot of cutscenes that are... Um, uh, like all 2D and that are like really interestingly composed and it's a very cinematic game. Mm-hmm. But what's funny is that it's a fucking short game. It is a short ass game. Granted, I could remember how to solve pretty much all the puzzles, so it made things a lot easier. And the puzzles aren't as obtuse as other adventure game puzzles. But that game, I think we beat it. We beat it in two evenings. And it was funny because afterwards my wife turned to me and she goes, very diplomatically, very carefully, just goes, so why is Full Throttle your favorite game of all time? <laughs> I'm like, I know... And I, was trying, I don't know. Well, no, it's one of those things where old games, it's sometimes hard to share them with people when they don't understand the context and time and Oh, yeah, no, I mean, gaming. that's the whole point of, yeah. It's like, nowadays, having games with fairly distinctive characters and a distinctive sense of place and a distinctive art style having something that is entirely unique looking 
is not as amazing as it once was, you know? Mm -hmm. And the sense of place and character in that game is just one of the first... It was the first game I played where this world, even though it was very lightly sketched, and these characters are very lightly sketched, felt very real and important to me, and this game made me want to play more games. It made me hungry for more games that looked like this, that sounded like this, like the music oh, yeah. and the voice acting and the art, everything about it. Like, I just wanted more. And it was, it's a noir story. It is ultimately, like, a noir biker story. And I'd never... I had played games that had detectives before, but they never quite hit that noir tone. Because it's all about, you know, cinematography is so important in film noir. And casting is so important in film noir. And it's hard to have a game that hits you between the eyes with the it, with the punch that Noir does when, you know, you're limited to a pre-rendered screen and just a, a sprite navigating across it. Like, sometimes you need, like, a cinematic cutscene to really sync these moments and these aspects. And, I don't know, man, it's my fucking favorite game. It still is. Even as I finish it, I'm like, man, some of these puzzles do not hold up really well. Full throttle well, Lucy Foley at least didn't hate it. She just, just wasn't yeah. quite... She was a little mystified by, like, why it was so important to you. She enjoyed like, the hell. Oh. She really liked yeah. it, and she thought it was beautiful. She reacted exactly the way she could. She liked the music. Like, she reacted appropriately, but afterwards, she's kind of like, oh, I get, I really enjoyed it, but your number one game of all time? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And you would never be tempted to play a Zelda game, huh? Never, mm-hmm. ever? Okay. I've played, dude, I've tried, for you and many other people, I've tried to play Zelda games, and I get about an hour in, and it is so not my bag. I just can't. Okay. No, just because I was going to say, if you're ever going to try to give a, a Zelda game another honest spin, I would recommend you try to the, the new one for the 3DS, The Link Between Worlds. Yeah, you had said that on the last podcast, and you made a really good pitch, my friend, but it's just not... that not... it's like... It, which is funny I would even say that, because this is probably the least character and plot-driven Zelda game ever. It really is just about exploring the world and doing dungeons and stuff like that. But it's a small enough and slender enough game, like the dungeons are never so long. Like, you, like every dungeon you can beat in about 20 minutes. Um, it's, it's, it's just very, it's a very slim and compact Zelda game. And mm-hmm. so I've, I would say if you're, to, if, if you ever really want to try to give, uh, a Zelda game a real spin, that, that would be the way to go just because, I mean, it's also based off an old one, one of everyone's, uh, most everyone's favorite, uh, favorite 2D Zelda game, which th- there's an added bonus there. So it's, it's, it's kind of simple and fun. And I, I actually beat it and I thought it was uh, really good. I was surprised at how much I liked it. Because it's it's based off of a link to the a link to the past for the Super Nintendo, which I only played once, but I never played again. Um, and I always thought it was fine, but I would I don't have the reverence for a link to the past that everyone else seems to. But yeah, yeah this link between the wor- uh, worlds is actually a pretty cool game, and and there's some character stuff. There's a big plot twist at the end and stuff. But See, just, just FY, just throwing that out there. You, if, if someone ever sticks pitch, a gun, you've made this pitch last week, my friend, and the, just okay. the gameplay of Zelda. There is nothing there that I enjoy. That's completely justified. I, so I, I'm just throwing that out there. I beat it. I thought it was good. And just saying, if you ever had to play Zelda, this would be this would be my uh, candidate to you. When when someone holds a gun to my head, and uh, my option is to uh, play a Zelda game or die, I will play the Zelda game. <laughs> that's what that that's what I'm saying though. This is the choice for future information. If life it's a life or death thing. <laughs> And you had to play one that was really short and that the you know wasn't too taxing. This would be the one. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> well, what's interesting is that after I finished Full Throttle, we kind of had a little conversation about how short it is, and it made me realize that 
there's the older I get, the more I really appreciate a short game with a with a big yeah. punch. Because like there are games like Assassin's Creed Four that I'll just sink hours and hours into without a second thought. But um, there's there's something to be said just for a really succinct short game, and then I can move on with my life. You know? Yeah. It's like, I, the older I get, the less time... It's not that I think the games aren't worth it. I spend... I mean, games are my f- primary free time consumption media thing, but it's just, I really... Like, I wanted to replay uh, this weekend uh, through today, actually. Good Old Games has sa- uh, Fallout 1 and 2 for free because yeah. they're losing the license. And um, I downloaded them, and, uh, you know, it's funny, I will never replay them, just because that's, you know, however 60, 70 hours, and it's not that it's not worth it, it's just that now I'm old enough that I gotta say that's some time I don't want to spend with my friends and my family, and mm-hmm. if it's a game I can't play with my wife, then I'm less compelled to play it. So. That's completely justified. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, shortness, the shortness of Full Throttle is pretty great. The other game I've been playing this week, Adventure Game Wise, is uh, uh, Grumpy Turtle bought me a copy of I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. And I had mentioned a little bit earlier that I was playing it, and I booted it up again. <laughs> I was playing it the other night. <laughs> this fucking game. I love this game. Yeah, yeah I think you mentioned this on our, on our more, uh, not last week's podcast. We didn't have a podcast last week, yeah. but the episode before last, yeah. Yeah, so this game is, uh, just a little recap, I'm sure I mentioned this. This game is, uh, there's a robot that has taken over the world after a nuclear war, or should be a computer mainframe that controlled nuclear war, of course, and all of humanity is dead, except for these five humans that it has kept alive for the last 109 years so it can torture them because it hates humanity so much. It's based on Harlan Ellison, a short story. And uh, Harlan Ellison voices the robot. It's pretty great. And so you're playing these five different stories of these these five humans as they are trapped in this hellscape created for them by this ro- this computer. It's amazing. I'm playing. I was playing last night. I played one of the characters. His name is Gorister, who was yeah. a trucker who had a wife that was insane and. But it's just great. I play. You you wake up and you're in an airship that is empty. And the you walk into the engine room of the airship and you press a button and all of a sudden these uh, this uh, these animals in cages that you couldn't see because they weren't lit are electrocuted from you having pressed the button and it, it creates this this milky liquid that the game explains to you is the milk of human kindness and you take the milky liquid and then you just like you your your hands are bloody from having tortured these animals like literally bloody so you walk into a dining room where there was a fight and it's all tousled and there's blood everywhere that you later learn is your blood because you're murdered and you have to wipe your hands on the bloody uh tablecloth and now your hands are clean of the crimes of the past <laughs> i'm just playing this game <laughs> fucking adventure games. The whole time I wanted to call my wife in and go, no, full throttle is totally logical. I have no idea. I'm playing a game where I have two bound and prone women in my inventory right now. <laughs> full throttle ain't nothing, girl. You have Jesus no idea. Christ. This game is amazing. It's terrible. It's one of those games you have to play with a walkthrough open. It is just ridiculous. It is ridiculous. No, that sounds like an old school uh, adventure game, though. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the kind of games where I'd be stuck in them for six months. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh man video games I love them so okay uh, I, tell me else. what else is going on with you Bill Mudgeon I think the only thing I played this week was uh, they had a uh, for the Xbox One they had a demo for Zoo, Zoo Tycoon oh yeah <laughs> which is super goddamn cute 
Um, I didn't get far enough into the game. Supposedly, Zoo, Ta- Zoo Tycoon is this thing where you can uh, either revamp or build from the ground up your own zoo. And uh, you, you're this little zookeeper who walks around the environment, and you just kind of, like, you get challenges to, like, like you have to introduce, like, a mate for different zoo animals. You get mm-hmm. to choose, like, which... It's it's not just about the zoo animal exhibits, but also, like, you could uh, you get to design the layout of the park and uh, figure out what kind of concession stands you want to have and how much you charge for the concessions and how much you charge at the gate. And it's all it's it's all uh, economics and stuff. It seems like it's a casual game for kids, but no, it's really hardcore. Uh, but it is super goddamn cute. Um, I, the only reason I want to bring this up because supposedly, yeah, you can hand feed. You, you could use the connect to hand feed animals and smile at them, and they will smile at, at back at you. It seems like a very goddamn cute game. Uh, all the animals are cute and fuzzy. Oh and, yeah. I just had to feel like, like uh, all these main big console games about death and destruction. It's nice to have at least one next gen console alternative where it's just about like you gotta go feed animals. And you gotta go meet the animals. So and Bill, to, like, have, there's all these zoo facts and stuff like that. I thought that was very cute. I have to ask you, Bill. Have you downloaded Peggle Two onto your Xbox One? No, because there's no demo. It's a twelve dollar game. I love Peggle. I got so I, you know, but the funny thing is with the all, I got so much free stuff on my Vita right now. I have yeah. absolutely no inclination to play for, uh, pay for any games right now. Yeah. Because uh, I've got so much free stuff on there, I could uh, plow through it. And I still have Assassin's Creed 4 and PlayStation 4 to play. If I if I want any kind of like big, meaty, next-gen uh, next console experience. Which, hopefully, like I said, once I'm done with all this Bayou Tapestry shipping stuff uh, at the end of this week, uh, yeah, next weekend is going to be all about PlayStation Vita. It's pretty much doing Sony stuff, uh, playing Assassin's Creed. Maybe I'll, I will stream Assassin's Creed 4 to the Vita. Ooh. And kill two birds with one stone. There you go, um, Billy. You got it, my but friend. It's... Yeah, um, did I? No, oh, the only other thing I did this week was watch Mary Poppins in HD. Jesus Christ. Yeah. 28 years, uh, twenty-eight year old Julie Andrews in HD. Uh-huh. Fucking Christ. How I many times crush... did you have to pause and masturbate? Eight, oh my God. Times? I always had a crush on her before, but like watching the Blu-ray, I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> she is like the perfect female human being. It is ridiculous. Um, it's, 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 the Disney transfers of their film in HD have always known to be really, really, really good. And this is an interesting thing because it's not just the animation, but it's also, you know, it's like half live action. Well, not even half live action, but like three quarters live action, one quarter animation. Mm -hmm. And, uh, even when they, uh, the animation part, when they jump into Bert's chalk drawings, uh, for the first time I actually noticed that the, the cartoon backgrounds aren't just generic cartoon backgrounds, but they're very specifically... Uh, oil pastel drawings. Oh, really? Suppose, yeah, and like you just tell, like, yeah, it's. I mean, I'm sure I mean, they're supposed to be chalk drawings, but I'm sure the 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 Disney animators were more used to working with oil pastels, and it just like you could see all the little details and even little the little uh, you could see all the little uh, errors and goofs with the special effects. But like, it just looks gorgeous. And like, I said, yeah, Julie, it is worth it just to see Julie Andrews in HD because she's just like you're just like oh my god, yeah, oh my god, it's just like <laughs> so no, it, it, it's it's it's. And I'm not glad that Mary Poppins and HD uh, reduced you to manic sound effects. That's delightful. It really was just like I'm sitting there while I want to go. Oh, no, no, no. I can't even. I can't even think about it right now without getting overclamped. <laughs> and then the only bummer thing is this. Um, they only seem to put out this Blu-ray um, in conjunction with the Saving Mr. Banks movie that's supposed to come out next yeah. week. Uh, so there's no new special features or anything like that. Aww. There's just a couple ads for Saving Mr. Banks, and those ads are terrible because all they 
Do you know anything about P.L. Travers and how her issues with the, the yeah. Mary Poppins movie or yeah. anything like that? How Disney gave her script approval and then yeah, threw away the script? It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was a total dick to her just because he, he had kids who wanted uh, him to make a, a Mary Poppins movie and suddenly just got it under his ass. He, I've got to make a Mary Poppins movie someday. And it was, turned out to be the last thing, the last major movie he made before he died. But, yeah, he was a total dick to P.L. Travers. P.L. Travers hated the movie. And, yeah, all these ads for Saving Mr. Banks make it sound like the only reason Disney is making uh, Mary Poppins is to help P.L. Travers to get over her alcoholic daddy issues, which is complete fabrication, misrepresentation of that situation. The funny thing is I am pretty much guaranteed to still go out and see that movie because I'm an idiot. (laughs) Yes, you are, Billy. (sighs) I mean, it's a movie. It's a movie with uh, you got you got Bradley Whitford as the guy as the scriptwriter of Mary Poppins. I gotta go see it. Yep. I don't. Know, I just I'm a sucker for Mary Poppins, but uh, just man, that that is. It's interesting to see Disney so blatantly rewriting its history, and with having a movie that is about the making of a Disney movie, and really this this is the first time Disney is always had this fantastical kind of representation of Walt Disney that the always foisted onto the public. And this is the first time they've really canonified like a fictional account of, of Disney doing... Walt, Walt Disney as a person doing stuff. And this is kind of an interesting take for this company to to to, 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 to go down. Yes. Where it's, it's, yeah, we're just going to kind of just make shit up about how Walt Disney did something once. Yeah. And kind of present it as fact to people. Yep. I'm and shocked. Like, shocked yeah. that Disney slash Hollywood is whitewashing and altering Disney to make a more probable story. I know, story. but it's just funny. I'm just saying this is... <laughs> yeah, God knows uh, entertainers have been... Uh, Hollywood's done far worse than just simply misrepresent Disney's making of, of Mary Poppins. But yeah. it just... I don't know. Disney is such a big, huge cultural figurehead, and especially a figurehead to this one of the biggest entertainment companies on the planet. Yeah. That, like, it's so blatantly like, well, everyone... Anyone who's ever looked into this knows the real story, but we're just gonna make shit up. Um, just to glorify... Glor- it's, it's almost like North Korea to glorify... You know, we just make this shit up just to glorify our glorious <laughs> Bill, leader. Bill, kind of I'm going to point yeah. out here that you have never sounded more like a YouTube comment than that I'm sentence sorry. you just said. I'm going to move on just real quick. The most important thing that happened since we last broadcast is that we had some snow in Portland. Oh, hell yeah. It was brief. And it was not much, but it was there, and I was It was delighted. a dusting. It stuck around for better part of a day, which yeah. is rare for Portland. Yeah. Yeah. It was delightful. Some we had a beautiful period where it was kind of brisk and cool mm-hmm. out, but no rain. We only had rain the last couple of days. It, it was, was dry for the last amazing. two weeks, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I think I don't. I think we've gone for the last two years without any snow. I think we had a couple of flakes fall for the last two years, but I don't think we ever had any snow like collect on the ground. So waking up like last Friday or whatever it was, a week ago last Friday, and just to actually see everything coated in white, even if it was a very thin coating, was like, oh my god! And so the first thing I did, I busted out my uh, Lego Winter Collet, uh, Cottage playset, which has a light up fireplace. Nice. And I set that up, and I and I busted out my um, people can't see it, but right right behind the laptop that I'm broadcasting with. Um, I've got my Charlie Brown Christmas tree that Annie, that you got me back yeah. in the day yeah. as a Christmas gift, which is just a little, it's a little fake Christmas tree, but it really is just a branch that's bent over with a, with a single ornament bulb hanging from its end. 
Um, yeah, what did you, did you do anything? Did you make a snowball and throw it at anybody? <laughs> no, there wasn't enough snow in my neck of the woods, but, uh, yeah. it's great because I have skylights in my, in my bathrooms, so it was Ooh. really delightful to be, I just woke up drearily and, like, we had the, the blinds drawn and the curtains drawn and I just kind of stumbled in the bathroom and I was like, man, it's brighter in here than usual even. And I looked out through the skylight and there's just this dusting of magical snow on the window and the light was reflecting on it. It was beautiful. It was so great. Did you not have enough snow? Snow to like try to write your name in the snow with your P. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna move on. Yeah, the snow it was so good, it was delightful. Hey everybody, we're gonna take a break and get back with the Geek Week in review. Snow. Annie, that totally Annie, that totally wor- works if your name is Snow. says fuck the police paul walker uh the star of fast and furious did pass away this last week ever made a lot of shitty jokes on twitter it was really great i made a lot i made some goddamn hilarious jokes what was he was survived by his cousin's baby and ad at walker um i made a whole bunch of like, jokes about things that walk i was, it was mm-hmm. hilarious uh you Annie, you're not allowed to be uh, sad about this because you've never seen any of his films. I have seen... I saw the first Fast and Furious movie. If um, you were a true devotee, you would have seen them all. Uh-huh. Have you, have you not watched uh, Fast and the Furious 6? Because I think it's on iTunes now. You can rent it. I, well, I want I do... I'm a dumbass. I do want to watch them in order. I saw that in the theater. I, I do feel bad about Paul Walker being dead because Fast and Furious movies are hilarious. And even um, beyond that, he was a good dude. Like, he started a humanitarian organization for disaster relief. This is not a douchebag celebrity. How, I, there are douchebag celebrities who do start charities to cover up their douchebag. I'm not, not accusing Paul Walker oh specifically. Oh my god, Bill. You I'm really, just saying, though. I said that we should have some sympathy for this man who died abruptly and tragically because he had a non-profit. And you're saying that he could have done the non-profit to cover his being a douchebag? That is your first response. I'm not criticizing him specifically. That is your number one response. If he had died tragically of an accident or something like that, the dude did die speeding at 90 miles an hour in a 45-mile zone in the middle of downtown L.A. That's kind of a fucking dick move. Not that he was the driver, but his friend... That was a pretty stupid fucking move. What are the hell? They still haven't figured out how he, like, exactly why they were speeding at 90 miles an hour. Some people were saying that maybe they were drag racing, but no one's ever seen evidence of a second car they could have been racing against. So, who knows, maybe they were joyriding or something, but yeah, that does suck. Uh, specifically, they were leaving a fundraiser for typhoon relief, dude. Yeah, and also specifically, the, the jackass who was driving the car seems to have died instantly on impact. Not so much Paul Walker, which is even more unfortunate because the car burst into flames after it crashed. So yeah, um, so yeah, uh, there. So they were in the middle of filming Fast and the Furious Seven. Um, turns out they've stopped filming. Uh, they're gonna try to write. Uh, it sounds like they're gonna try to kill off his character in the movie. They they, they were talking about 
um, because the movie was insured up the butt, they could have actually just scrapped everything and restarted the whole movie and the insurance would have paid out for it. Mm-hmm. But they decided that they're going to try to move forward. It sounds like they're going to try to film a death, uh, a death scene for his character using his brother who kind of looks like him. Which seems totally in keeping with the tone of the Fast and the Furious. I do like the idea that, like, he would be in the middle of, like, some kind of race scene and suddenly you see the car flip over and see, you see his half-brother kind of go, Ugh, I think it's the end for me. And suddenly there's a funeral in the middle of the movie. Uh, but While we were gone, Amazon Prime announced... Well, you don't want to talk about... No, I'm done with talking about. I think it's interesting because, like, there's a major motion picture of 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 of, of, of a series that people love that is only half film. It'll be interesting to see how they try to uh, piece together the next movie out of this. I mean, it's, aside from the death thing and everything, it's yeah. an interesting thing that is going on. Uh, That's also going to make the villain of the next film even seem that much more badass. Who you should be interested in? You got it, man, Annie. Uh, your Christmas gift to me will be if you rent the Fast and the Furious six tonight. And they'll make you super psyched for the next one. That's the only reason why I'm, I'm so uh, interested in what uh, Fast and Furious 7 will be like, because they're kind of setting up some interesting, crazy shit. I don't know. Anyway, so. Shut up, Bill. Bill's really invested in Fast and Furious canon. <laughs> it's also got, it's got, what's her name? With the it's boobs. got Michelle Rodriguez and Gina Carano yeah. beating up each other. That's all I would watch. I just want to watch how, that masturbate and stop watching. Yeah, how would you not rent that? I, I can understand you didn't see it in theaters because you were busy and, you know, that's expensive. But that moment that comes, yeah, the moment that came on iTunes, you should have been there with your $4 going, yes. It's because I asked a friend, I'm like, so how long is this scene? And they're like, four minutes. So that's why I was like, I'm not going to Oh, their fight scene? No, it takes ten, yeah, it's ten seconds, and it's obviously they have a stunt double from Michelle Rodriguez, which is kind of a bummer. But Gina Carano, she's like doing splits and stuff. You know, it's obviously her. It's 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 really she's good. She's a but. fucker upper. Amazon mm. announced, as everyone else and their mother has discussed, announced Prime Air, which is delivery of five-pound packages by air drones to homes within ten minutes of an Amazon distribution center. This is, of course, not something that's come to fruition yet. It's just a concept. But there is a, a video that seems like a joke, but it's somehow not a joke. It does seem like an Amazon or an Onion article. It um, really does. Also, we apologize in advance for the two-week-old news, because like I said, we skipped last week, so <laughs> yeah. all this news has already been beaten to death, but... Uh, yeah, so it, I'll be shocked if this ever actually happens, because... Yeah, seriously, like... Just you, for like, FAA regulations and shit, you know? Yeah, and even if... He, I mean, you have these things that you're flying into people's backyards with, like, open blades that could easily wound anyone who got too close to the drone. Mm-hmm. Um, even if the end, you've got noise issues, because these, these, these drones will be flying right, seems like, not far above uh, homes and such. But even if these drones were completely silent and safe, like, like you could touch them and nothing would happen, yeah, you'd still have basic FAA, like, issues of just, like, flying packages over people's homes, people probably trying to shoot them out of the sky... Yeah. Um, this seems more like an interesting idea than a good one, but it's just weird. But it's weird that it's like this is something that a major company talked about in a serious way. Yeah, and the, and the, I mean, they're the, I mean, this Jeff Bezos, the guy who owns Amazon, is crazy enough to try to push this forward. I mean, I'm, like I said, it'll, it'll get shot down eventually. But this is still just a, such a goddamn kooky thing, especially since it wouldn't service that many people. It'd be only any anyone who lives within a fart's distance of an Amazon shipping center, which there's not that many of those in the country. It's not about talking. it's not about that. It's just about prestige and image, and where did it no, first? I know. Yeah. And making headlines. That's what it's about. It's not about yeah. servicing I mean, people. Got, did 
did did buy them a lot of attention. Exactly. That's know? for sure. But and yeah, just in the video. Just, well, and also, like, all the packages get dropped off in these little plastic bins, and what are you going to do with all these plastic bins after a while? At least the cardboard boxes, you can just throw them away. But, like, it seems like... And it, it sounds like, also, too, this would not be... Like, you would have to pay... It would be, like, a super subscription model for this. So you wouldn't just be part of Prime. You'd have to end up paying, like, $500 a year to have access to this stuff, so it wouldn't be... It'd be like super Amazon Prime, right? Because uh, I guess Amazon, uh, I guess in like in Seattle, Amazon has this thing where um, they will deliver groceries to your house, right? Uh, because you know they, they have a distribution distribution center in in, in Seattle, uh, but that's kind of a mess because everything there costs three times as much as if you just went to the grocery store, and also you have to spend like there's there's like a five hundred dollar subscription fee for that service to begin with. Uh, just like Amazon Prime, but just much more expensive. So it's it's cool they offer that, but like it's not practical at all. And this seems to be even more of that. So yeah, well, you whatever. gotta you know some of these things that seem kind of pie in the sky and expensive. It's just like the start of things, you know. Yeah. It's like they got to do the dumb overpriced models so they can figure out the systems and the processes and everything. And the idea is that someday it will turn into something sustainable and achievable and less well, yeah. expensive. No, this is how the sex toys are gonna uh, sex toy sex shops are gonna make a comeback. You know, they've been losing drones? the internet yeah drones so if you want like a sex toy something you want to fuck you could have it right there while watching the porn you would otherwise buy at the sex shop they could at least drop off the sex toy like a plastic butt to your house like almost instantaneously in other news the three stories salinger link someone sold a copy of salinger manuscript not supposed to be released until 2060 on ebay for 107 dollars and scans of the copy went up immediately afterwards yeah, how someone was able to sell three on uh, like never read before uh, JD Salinger stories for only $170 on eBay kind of blows my mind. I kind of wonder if uh, people just didn't realize what they were buying when they threw down for that, but Yeah, I mean, is it been verified? Is this just some asshole saying No, I got it's been these? verified. Uh this is part of the stash of material that, you know, JD Salinger pretty much left out when he died he said hey this Kate like he left to his estate saying okay here's the stories I wrote while I was in seclusion here's the schedule I want for these to be released and supposedly these three stories were uh, were some of the last things that were supposed to be released 50 years after the anniversary of his death in 2060 hmm. um but yeah they, they're, they're out there now they you can they're on imgur they're out there as PDFs as image files I have read some of the stories I mean it's it's more JD Salinger uh, the first story is at least is about the Caulfield family, you know, for Holden Caulfield from Catcher in the Rye. Um, it's, it is really interesting to be able to read a story that had things gone with the way J.D. Salinger planned, probably would not have been released until most of us are dead. That's, so that's kind of an interesting... I just, it feels weird to me. I'm sorry. It is weird. It is very weird. Well, just at the end of the day, it's like, I feel passionate enough about this to purchase and scan and upload this, but not passionate enough to respect the author's desires and wishes. Fuck J.D. Salinger. He crazy. He well, dead. Still. He dead and crazy. That makes his shit doubly who gives a shit. I know, but still, it's like... 2060? <laughs> Guaranteeing anyone who's been waiting for his stories to almost all be dead by then. That's that's a dick move, J.D. Salinger. You should be a little cooler about that. If you don't I'm want anyone to read saying. the story, burn the goddamn story. You fucking child molesting motherfucker. Not that he was a child molester. I don't want to get by Daily Sun. All I said is he was a cannibal. He may, I'm just saying some of these stories may have been written in human blood. 
I hate J.D. Salinger so much all of a sudden for no reason. <laughs> in other news, Space Dandy from the creators of Cowboy Bebop is coming in 2014. Simulcast in Japan and America. Yeah, this is interesting just because it's it, this is the first time I've heard of a Japanese television series essentially being simulcast in du- like a dubbed version. Huh. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. going to be dubbed? Oh. Dubbed at... What did I write? Did, is it dubbed or you is didn't, it... You, didn't, you just said simulcast. I think it's it's either dubbed or... I believe it's It makes subbed. more sense. It yeah. Maybe it's just being subtitled, yeah. But that's interesting, yeah. Like, uh, uh, the same week a new episode comes out in Japan, the same episode comes out... It's being broadcast uh, in the United States, which I thought was interesting. What, and, like uh, I said... It, what it's, channel it's, is showing it? Uh, I think it may be... Oh, um, uh, is it Cartoon Network and their... Uh, Oh god, what, what's their adult cartoon adult programming swim? block? Although I think it's an Adult Swim thing. That's what I believe it is. Yeah, and that that's starting next month. Hmm. And yeah, it's from the Cowboy Bebop guys. Yeah. Everybody except for the for the lady who did the music for Cowboy Bebop, which a lot of people would argue is that's kind of the best part of Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, but anyway. but she's too busy buying a guitar shaped swimming pool and swimming in it. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> You know uh, what? She's with me in my, my arbitrary sudden hatred of J.D. Salinger. <laughs> trying to keep stories away from Bill Mudrin. Weirdly and unexpectedly, Saints Row 4 released DLC in which the uh, crew from Hey Ashwich Plan are your homies. And the characters look terrible, too, just because they're, they, they just took a couple random <laughs> homies and just kind of reskinned them to kind of look like... Well, I think they, oh used, the, they must have used the, the uh, Saints Row character creator to make them. It's, I think that's exactly what it is. So it looks about as much as, 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 as them as you can expect, which means not very much at all. I'm just delighted that's by great. this. That's amazing. Well, I did bought you it. This, did you see the story where they were working on some kind of homie DLC, and I think they, I think the Hop guys, something happened, they, they, they're friends with some of the Saints Row guys, and so I guess the head of the DLC guys, uh, head of the DLC stuff at... Uh, Volition, who make the Saints Row games, was just like, you know what? We've been trying to come up with some ideas for uh, homie DLC. We've been working on this thing, but it seems stupid. Fuck it. We're just going to make uh, you guys, you hop guys into homies. <laughs> Fuck it. That, that, that's dude, the easiest, funniest, simplest solution. It's amazing. And, I, I'm actually upset yeah. because I downloaded it, and I was like, oh, well, you know what? I haven't played Enders the Dominatrix, so I'll try that too. But what sucks is that you can't use homies in Enters the Dominatrix, so I haven't actually gotten to interact with them yet. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wait, so is that available for the Xbox version? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought it was just for the PC version. No, son, it's on there. I got that shit downloaded, son. The, you can place the hop characters in the 360 version. Yes, yes, you can. Yeah. It's like two dollars, dude. Because I've never used any of the homies because you're so overpowered in that game. There's absolutely no reason to yeah. have the homies. But I will. The only the only reason to have Jesus. the homies is that I learned eventually that if you summon two homies, they'll have conversations. Oh, really? It's like Mass Effect, or depending on who you have in your crew, they'll have a conversation. I discovered accidentally, because there's a mission where you have to have both Shondies on your team, and they chitter-chatter. Oh, yeah, and that's then, fantastic, yeah. And th- so I, I, I grabbed two other homies randomly to see what happened, and they had a whole dialogue! It was great! It was fantastic! So, so uh, Anthony and Ashley are actually voiced? Yeah, they voice them. With Papa, Papa Birch. Birch. voices himself, yeah. It's real. Hey, Ashley, what you're playing is so stupid, I love it. 
I the love this weird media. This weird media presence those guys have as a result of their stupid brother and sister just deciding to do like let's make videos about video games. Now they're now they're homies in Saints Row Four. God bless. Say that's they're going the end to Sundance. Of, it's amazing. Yeah, that's not to say that's the end all be all of human existence. Yeah, Sundance is Sundance is probably more of a thing, but but um, that's which of the two probably excited them more? I'm gonna say. Yeah, seriously. If oh. I well, that's, if, Bill, if they made a boy howdy pack for Saints Row, how much would we lose our shit? Oh my god, I would shit beetles out of my butt. <laughs> beetles of pure joy. Well, did did they have the uh did they release the Saints Day of Christmas yet this week? I think it or is just that coming got next released. Week? I think it just okay. got released. Which is funny because I'm in the middle of all this shipping stuff, which in order to clear space, I unhooked uh, my Xbox and PlayStation 3. Not permanently, but it was sure. just, just to get that stuff out of the way. Uh, but it's just funny that this week you've got... Uh, well, you, I, I had no idea the Hop DLC actually works for the Xbox version, which is the version of uh, Saints Row 4 I have. But you've also got the Saints Row... Uh, the Saints Save Christmas, which I don't even know what that is, but the title alone, I will buy that DLC because that sounds hilarious. Just because of the title. And uh, supposedly the season two of The Walking Dead starts this week. Oh, yeah. I forgot about so, that. So uh, Saints Row and Walking Dead are the two reasons why, uh, as soon as I'm done with shipping stuff on Friday, hopefully on Friday, I'm going to be hooking up my 360 again to play that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I want more I want more Wolf Among Us, man. Oh, man. Oh, we got to get to we gotta get to uh, uh, VGX so we can discuss that. Yeah, we'll get to that. That's on there. We're almost uh, there. Oh, Bill. Here's Bill's joke, everybody. <laughs> Breaking news! Stick figure to play Wonder Woman. That's Bill's joke. The ugly one! Bill. <laughs> That's... Oh. Teen Girl Squad! Come on, it's a hilarious joke! I don't know why that, that was even a terrible impression of Teen Girl Squad. The ugly one! Oh, Bill. No, it was unfortunate. So they're gonna have Wonder Woman in, in, in whatever new Superman movie is called. Superman vs. Soup? <laughs> you got it. Um, Batman versus Superman or whatever. I guess Wonder Woman's gonna show up for ten. It's only unfortunate because they did hire like a super scrawny, tiny supermodel to play. It's just funny because she's a lady who's in Fast and the Fury, Fast and Fury Six. Um, she's right. She's she's, not... she's Israeli. That's right. Yeah, no, she's not ugly or anything like that. But you know, you kind of. Exp- I was hoping you. for if not Gina Carano, then someone more like Gina Carano. Somebody with like some muscle, somebody who could actually throw down in a fight, not just I, like. Eh. Who, I don't know, man. I'll give her a chance. And uh, anytime you can have a non-white person in a prominent film, much less a woman, I'm pretty chuffed. Are Israelis not white? I meant white as in Caucasian, as in like you know, like as in non-American yeah. English. I, I mean, non-American. That's kind of nice. well. I guess Israeli is that's kind of close to close close degree. I'm officially not having that conversation with you, Bill. I'm just saying what? It's we can't need to have. An we Israeli. can't say the Amy Sedaris quote going, out loud. No, stop, stop, <laughs> Bill. I'm not talking with you about race. <laughs> it's just full stop. No, I'm just know. saying it's cool to have a non. Just an Israeli woman in a prominent Ted Bowl film. That's all I'm going to say, Bill. That's I'm all. just going to quote Amy Sedaris. Don't! That's a bad <laughs> thing to do, Bill. Uh, Veronica Mars hit the big screen on March 14th, 2014. Man, they released a clip of her talking to Mac and... Oh, what was her bro's name? Sorry with the W. Wallace. Her talking to Mac and Wallace... Damn, son, Mac and Wallace are both dreamy as hell. Like, dreamy oh, yeah? as hell. I was just watching this, I'm like, shit, got some shit going on. 
I'm on a complete media blackout about it. I have no idea what's going on with the Veronica. It is funny that the movie is coming out a year and a day after they started the Kickstarter campaign for that. And I, I know a lot of people are still grumpy about Hollywood funding any like any kind of venture through um, Kickstarter. But shit, man, this is this is the one this is one of the few Kickstarters that I've that I've given to where I got my thing. Yeah. That thing's coming out. Yeah. Doesn't sound like it's fucked up. The one issue seems to be there seems to be a little bit kerfuffle because the original part of the Kickstarter was if you donated money above a certain tier, uh, you would get like the DVD or or digital release the day the movie came out because I think they were only expecting this movie the movie the theater release to be like in two theaters yeah, super limited super by limited. virtue of the fact this movie is actually getting a real release I'm not quite sure if the studio is going to be that happy with DVDs and digital editions being released the same day because that kind of would cut into other people if it's just yeah if there's just a uh, DRM version of the digital version just released the same day the movie comes out that's less reason for people want to come see the uh, see the movie in theaters so i who knows if that's actually still going to happen but <clears throat> i don't i don't care about whatever those complications because the fact of the matter is that this is the only way we're getting a Veronica Mars movie yeah. so i don't care if i get yeah, it's my Veronica Mars my digital copy, like, six months after its release. We're getting a Veronica Mars movie. It exists, and it would not exist any other way. Yeah. Man. You know what Jesus freaks me Christ. out? What? Um, I'm trying to do a lead into the Superman 2 trailer. <laughs> I can't think of. Um, what do you think of the Superman? Spider-Man. Was, was released Close this enough. week. Man, I am a... I, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. I'm a Spider-Man enthusiast, and I even am one of the few people who didn't hate the last movie, but the only reason why I liked it is that um, Emma Watson and Andrew Garfield have actual chemistry, even though all their scenes together are really poorly written and really weird. And that Wait, movie Emma really Watson? Weird. Did I say Emma Watson? What's her name? Yeah, I was gonna say, why she looks so ugly in that movie like that other girl you like so much? What's, what's the other lady I have Who's the lady I actually have a boner for? That's Emma not... Watson looked like she got hit by a train and got turned into Emma Stone or <laughs> Emma whatever her Stone. name is. Shame on me! I actually have a boner for Emma Stone versus Emma Watson. I just want to pat on the head and share, like, a uh, beer with her. I can totally see if Emma Watson walked into Two Town and she got hit by a train and suddenly she's suddenly husky voice and her face just melts I, and turns into Hello, I'm Emma Stone. At least I need to call Emma Stone Emily Watson. That would have been the complete confusion <laughs> trifecta. No, Emma Stone is so great and, and Andrew Garfield are so great and that movie is so bad. It's so bad. Yeah. And watching it, I have so, not yeah. seen it yet, but I've heard bad things. I, I've always liked uh, Andrew Garfield in the trailers. He seems like he's a good Peter Parker, though. Oh, he's I like a him. brilliant choice. I Judging mean, the from the trailers, yeah, he seems to be a bit better Peter Parker than, uh, what's his fuck? Oh, yeah, Tobey Maguire. Well, here's the yeah. thing. <sighs> the whole, literally, the whole point <sighs> of Spider-Man is that Peter Parker is likable and relatable. They made Peter Parker whiny asshole. Is there which which Spider-Man movie? Which which of the classic era Spider-Man <laughs> movies from six years ago uh-huh. had? Which one was the landlord's daughter who offers Peter Parker chocolate cake? That was Spider-Man Two. I that saw that in the Spider-Man. theater, and for some reason, that scene endeared me so much because it was such a weird, awkward, hilarious yes. scene that had nothing to do with the rest of the movie. But I thought, yeah. like, this is the kind of scene that doesn't end up in big budget superhero movies much anymore, just because it's yeah. such a weird, like, not even character scene, but just kind of like 
Peter Parker just like venturing into the real world for once because oh yeah that's right he's because yeah. this is in Super in Spider Man two that's the first time he's not living at home and he's kind of like got this shitty little apartment in the middle of New York yeah. and that just happens to be his neighbor who kind of like reaches out to him and kind of makes him less feel less shitty about being on his own for the first time exactly. that was really really cute um anyway that's that's neither here or there but yeah uh, so I guess they're trying to put uh was it the sinister Sti- sinister 6 the mm-hmm. six evil superman Sp- i keep on saying superman <laughs> spider-man villains uh so it's going to be electrolytes rhinoceros <laughs> hawkman goblin who's the sixth uh let's see it's it's sand octorok octorok no wait no but they didn't show sandman sand dude because there's, there's, did you see, like, did you see the breakdown where you could see elements of, like, six different villains in the movie? Well, I'm trying to remember, okay, here's the extent of my familiarity with the Sinister Six. It's as they appeared in Ultimate Spider-Man, however many years ago. And I remember, yeah, Rhino, 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 Rhino Bro, uh, was there. Uh, Vulture, Electro, uh, Goblin, uh, was Dr. Octopus a member? In the new trailer for the new Spider-Man, they suggested Dr. Octopus is at least... It. I'm assuming the Sinister Six, Six changes depending on whoever's writing that particular oh, run. Oh, is it Lizard Guy? The Lizard. Is it Lizard Guy? Didn't they already do Lizard Guy, so is it Sinister Five? Wait, no, yeah, Lizard wasn't the last one. I fucking can't remember. I swear to Christ. I was about to say, oh yeah, they set up Lizard Guy. Right. Supposedly, in the movie, and it did was you in the hear last the, trilogy? In the last trilogy, this set up Lizard Guy. Did you hear what the post credits teaser for Spider Man Two is supposed to be? Already it's Emma, Emma Stone puts on a Venom mask, <laughs> and she strips out naked otherwise, and she says, "I'm gonna have some sinister Stop. sex." Stop. Okay, dun, that's actually dun, not dun. as bad as it should have. It could have gone. Why? <laughs> I was really alarmed that you were gonna do a web fluid riff or something. Oh no, I, I can do that too. For. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyway, no. I, I don't Bill. even know. I've never even heard of the Sinister Sticks, Sinister <laughs> Pixie Sticks. Whatever. The, Senator Petty. That's my favorite politician is Senator Pixie Sticks. Spider-Man. I've never heard about... What? Well, it's like, it's like pretty much all superheroes, like Spider-Man in particular, the least interesting part of Spider-Man are his villains. Yeah. That's... So I guess they're trying to do a Sinister Six thing because so they can kind of turn that into Marvel's version of the Avengers. Sure. Which I've heard, say that out loud, because I've heard people say that out loud on the internet, as much as you can say anything out loud on the internet, and you think, wait a minute, there's already is the Marvel's Avengers. It's called the fucking Avengers. <laughs> so I guess what's happening, I guess, well, I forgot that Spider-Man and all those characters are all part of Sony. Yeah. And they're, they're kind of doing this parallel Marvel thing, where they're trying to, like, it's, uh, it makes sense if this is kind of a parallel Marvel universe, that they're trying to do their own, like, I guess e- Evil Avengers? We're going to have... like I guess in this week they announced that they are going to do a Sinister Six... Si- fuck. Sinister Six movie. Oh, seriously? And suppose, no, yeah, no, they, they, they announced that this week. Uh, yeah. So it sounds like Spider-Man 2 is... That's why you suddenly you see all these different bad guys in this movie, in Spider-Man 2, in the trailer, because it sounds like this is going to be the branching off point, so they're going to try to do their own... Evil Avengers? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So, so. See, all I want is I want a, a I want a Spider-Man movie with Jennifer Lawrence as Black Cat. That's what I want. Is that good? Do you like Black- Jennifer Lawrence now? I feel I've always liked Jennifer Lawrence. You just want me to watch Silver Linings Playbook, and because <laughs> I have not watched Silver Linings Playbook, you think I don't like Jennifer Lawrence. 
I swear to God, Bill, sometimes I could just, like, take out chunks of old podcasts and gently place them in the current podcast. <laughs> exactly how would, how would, how would Jennifer Lawrence be dressed as Black Cat? What does Black Cat dress like? Uh, she wears, like, a black onesie with, like, white ruffles around the neck and white ruffles around the wrists and white boots and, like, kitty cat ears, as I recall. So she dresses like a crazy person in the 60s during Halloween. <laughs> Pretty much. But okay. no, Black Cat has this like flirtatious relationship with Spider-Man and shit. It's cute. Oh, it should be age appropriate for Andrew Garfield. I can see that being yes. pretty cute. Yeah. Yeah. That's Aww. my Aww. famous person kissing fan fiction right there. And then she Aww, has a threesome with uh, Emma Stone. It all works out. But yeah, there was another... They uh, Also, Sony and Marvel, I think they announced another movie this week. I can't remember what... The, oh, I, I think they're doing... They announced a Venom and a uh, Sinister Six movie. So, yeah. Who gives a shit? Anyway. Oh, next. Uh, Disney acquires Indy. What does that mean? Did they acquire Indiana Jones? Yeah, they just made it official. Um, Indiana Jones was always uh, a property of George Lucas. And it was assumed that because George Lucas sold everything about his company to Disney that Indiana Jones would be one of those things. And they just made it official this week. Um, it was interesting because that took a lot of wrangling with Paramount because Paramount, even though they don't don't own Indiana Jones, they own the copyright to those movies. It's a weird legal legal wrangling where like if somebody can own the character, but then the movies featuring that character can be owned by someone else. Interesting. And so, uh, in order, uh, this this would give the right for Disney to keep on making Indiana Jones movies, but they couldn't like I don't think. I don't think they could, like, have any of the music or anything from the old yeah, movies so if they didn't be like, reach... it'd be like Wizard of Oz. Yeah, they'd like... have to do, like, a reboot of Indiana Jones. But no, they, they they reached an agreement with Paramount where essentially, like... Yeah, they, essentially Paramount gets a cut of every future movie now. And essentially, yeah, Dis, Disney owns Indiana Jones and all the old movies and everything now. Huh. So, um, so... And Disney is so aggressive with all their stuff. I would not be surprised in the next year you hear plans for either an Indiana Jones 5 or just an Indiana Jones reboot or something about Indiana Jones' grandkid or something like that. So, Bill, who would you want to star in an Indiana Jones movie? Well, I was saying, like, I would not mind actually seeing if they had uh, gone ahead and done a Sheila Booth reboot mm-hmm. of Indiana Jones' kid in the 60s. Um, that would not have been the worst way to continue Indiana Jones. Uh, everyone hated the, uh, both Sheila Booth in that last movie so much, which I thought the movie was terrible, but I actually did not mind uh, Sheila Booth that much. Uh, everyone hates that character so much now, that's yeah. not going to happen. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if they essentially started making Uncharted movies starring that kid's son, which would be essentially Indiana Jones the Fourth, uh, yeah. as modern-day Indiana Jones. Re- literally, that's what it would be. It would be Henry Jones the Fourth. Technically fifth, because I think Indiana Jones... No, yeah, it was Junior. 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 Yeah. So this would make... Modern-day Indiana Jones would be Indiana Jones the fifth. And, yeah, it would essentially just be Uncharted. I wouldn't be... You know, you don't, you don't have to worry about making the movies a weird period piece. You could, you could still have a hat and a whip, but maybe he'll drip the no, dress like... No, you know like, what? I'd love, I'd love him to be named Indiana after his grandfather, and, like, his dog's name is Henry. That's my funny right. joke I made! Annie, write down an envelope, mail it to yourself. If Disney rips you off, you can make a million dollars. For yeah, whatever so... reason, even though there have been like young Indiana Jones shit, for when you said, oh, well, it's uh, Indiana Jones' grandson, I immediately got the theme song to James Bond Jr. stuck in my head. Don't know why. Which is pretty much the same thing. Uh, yeah, come on. I don't know. Who, who 
would you cast as uh, as a, as a modern day Indiana Jones though? Jennifer I'm Lawrence. Trying to think. It's oh, because Indiana dude, Indiana is non gender specific. Actually, it would be fantastic to do a modern day Indiana Jones series with a female protagonist, and Jennifer Lawrence would be amazing. She'd be amazing. We just we just made Indiana Jones five right here, <laughs> and she's got the hat and the whip. So this is our day. We just cancel. We just cast Jennifer Lawrence and everything. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, at least I didn't cast Gemma Arterton. That's me evolving as a person. Yeah, well, she's British, though. Uh, well, let me think. So if you had to have a dude as an Indiana Jones... I'm going to write that down. Uh, <laughs> Annie, when you do when you edit the podcast, you're obligated to make a Jennifer Lawrence Indiana Jones photo <laughs> machine. I will do this, my friend. But no, I think that would be... Honestly, that would be smart because do, the, the, problem, the problem with any sort of reboot or anything is like, how do, are you, do you make sure you're not just retreading that? How, how do you, do you differentiate? It? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And how do you make it so that it's different but not immediately less than by being just like a variation? And having it be that different would be pretty fucking cool. And Jennifer Lawrence made how many millions of dollars in Hunger Games, so... Just say I mean, I'm already the person who thinks that Star Wars, the next Star Wars uh, sequel trilogy, should star a female character, and that's not going to happen. I can't allow myself to even for a moment entertain the same thing could happen with uh, Indiana Jones, because that would be Jim a Jim Arterton would be amazing in Star Wars. There we go. No, as a villain, she's British. All British people in Star Wars are villains. <laughs> that's true. That's an excellent point. Uh, except no, for I'd Darth Vader. I'd want her to be a bounty hunter or something. Would would you not see her her beautiful face, her beautiful uh, chicken face? Her beautiful chicken. She looks like a little baby chicken. Fuck she totally you. got that face of like Next she looks point like of order. she looks like if you were to let's put it this way, if you were to design a sexy chicken lady to be in Robin <laughs> to be in Disney's Robin Hood, it would essentially be G- Gemma Arterton. See, I'm I'm just imagining the chicken lady for Kids of the Hall. <laughs> I'm just imagining Jim Arterton in that same costume and with that same prosthetic. It's funny that you should say that because I'm wearing a Legend of Zelda hat right now, and there's a, one of their skits has a little retarded kid or something with a little Legend of Zelda hat. Um, uh, what were, what the hell were we talking about? Tomb Raider is going to come out on PS4 and Xbox One in January. Woo! Justification, justification for anyone who has not bought uh, Tomb Raider to. Spend an extra sixty bucks to buy the Game of the Year edition next uh, in a couple months or two. It's just weird. They changed her face. They femmed her up a little more. It actually kind of offended me. Yeah, yeah. Oh shit! I I need to look this up. She's pretty. Are you sure? Is she prettier? Because it just should just be a direct port of the PC version. She they shouldn't have even had to have done anything. I when I saw that we watched VGX, we streamed it on on the Xbox, and we were watching it high definition and all that shit. Uh, her face, she looked prettier. Well, I mean, supposedly they'll have that Tress effects stuff now, so her hair will be more dynamic and stuff. You sure it's no, not just that? They, it looks like they actually changed her face. Like I don't know if it was just me, but I, oh wait, face... I see what you're talking about. Yeah, she almost looks. I hate to say it, she almost looks like more like an like an Israeli supermodel or something like that. It's she doesn't look like a like what I liked about Tomb Raider was that she looks like a person who is kind of. I mean, she's still pretty, but she looked like a person who was kind of fucked up, and now I don't like know a if that's. Normal person. Yeah, I don't know if that's how it's going to look in game, but yeah, in this one promotional image that they seem to be splashing around when 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 talking about the, uh, yeah, that is a different face. That's a different face model. That's interesting, huh? Yeah, I don't know, man. That yeah, that disappointed good. me. But also, I, I, the game is a full sixty bucks too, which is kind of a bummer. What's she gonna do? Nah, I know, but still, I, that was uh, a good game. It was I, a I, great I, game. I enjoyed the hell out of it. 
I, even if I bought it for 60 bucks, or even if I bought it for 20 bucks, I know I'd play the first 20 minutes of it and get bored and just play something else, but... I was disappointed because um, I was really hoping they would announce some... Because uh, they've been talking about a Tomb Raider announcement, and I was hoping they were going to make an announcement about single-player DLC. Because they, yeah, so, they yeah. teased it, and, uh, but... Yeah, you know what? They're probably still hard work on the sequel right now, hopefully. I hope so. Yeah. Even though the, the first game was supposedly a sales disappointment to Square Enix, hopefully that that has not kept them from going just straight into a sequel. Um, but yeah, Tomb Raider was really good. It's funny that we're talking about that right after talking about our, our ideas for casting a female Indiana Jones. Yeah. So, yeah, speaking of VGX, uh, we, did you watch VGX, Bill? I watch. I endured all the way up until when they announced that GTA V was the game of the year, and that's when I was like, fuck it, I got work to do. <laughs> Yeah, I did I, have work to do. It wasn't just me like throwing a hissy fit, but oh, was that that show was fucking terrible. It was. It was not. It was an interesting format. I'm not no. necessarily against the format. They changed it this year. Rather than being like a big award show with like in an arena filled with people and all that, it was just it was in an interactive loft. So it was just there were. Uh, it was uh, Joel McHale and Jeff Kylie. Is that how you say his name? Yeah. Uh, Riffin and interviewing developers and like I think that format is more interesting. Potentially. But, yeah, mm-hmm. Joel McHale was terrible. He was... It really... Did did, uh, did they even say anything about Joel McHale being part of the show before they aired the show? I think they because did announce him as a host. it seems so much like they just, like... Like, maybe they had a different host lined up and he, they fell through at the last second because... A, he didn't obviously did not want to be there. B, did not know what the hell he was doing. It, it was completely, like, the show was, like, really clumsily directed. I don't know if that was because Joel McHale was off his marks and kept on fucking things up, but there was weird kind of dead air and stuff. Even aside from his lousy jokes and his lousy script and his lousy performance, like, just even the, from the technical point of view, it was kind of a wreck. But, yeah, no, I really loved the idea. That was an interesting idea for a format, and that's something I hope they keep moving forward. Um, they just need a better host, either that or just get rid of the host and have Jeff Keighley host it anyway, because the guy knows video games. He hosts TV shows. He's a smart guy. Um, just, yeah, and, and the fact that they still, despite the fact that they, it was interesting because the show wasn't being broadcast on TV, that they could fluff it up to three hours, which you think, okay, well now they're going to be able to show more awards. You didn't see any more of the awards than you did before. It was just more bullshit they were able to pack into the show. And uh, people have pointed out that maybe part of the reason why they got rid of the that why they changed the names from the VGAs to the VGX, uh, so it, now it'll just become the video game experience, and they can slowly start actually just getting rid of the awards completely. Huh. Not not to say that the people want that to happen, but the people wonder that maybe that's justification for the name change. That's interesting, actually. Which I at this point, that. you might as well do because no one takes the award seriously, and even the like the the award show itself. Is just like the awards are such an afterthought. It's just yeah. I don't know. So. I mean, I'm all about. Uh, I really do like the idea of like this kind of structured event where there are these reveals and conversations with developers, and like yeah. I like that concept. And it's kind of you know it's it's fun. Gaming is such a solitary experience, even multiplayer game. You're in your silos of your communities or your silo of your game all by yourself. And it's kind of nice to have this thing where we all watch at the same time, we all come together and we all talk about it and have a conversation about the same things. Like, that's kind of great. Like, it was great. I watched it, we live-streamed it with some friends and, you know, engaged with conversations on Twitter, and it was, like, really kind of a fun communal experience. I like all that aspect of it. But yeah, Joel, I'm tired of them having hosts who don't like gaming, 
or whose all their patter and dialogue are at the expense of gaming and gaming culture and gamers. Yes, yeah. just contempt of gaming is just like yeah. it shouldn't be that hard to find someone relatively cheap who will deign themselves to be on the show who actually has played a video game sometime in the last twenty years. It shouldn't be that difficult. I mean, come I mean, on. they did an interesting thing, even though I didn't necessarily like it. <laughs> they did, they, and they've done this a little bit in the past, where they had I can't remember what they called it, but they had all these YouTube personalities do shorts. For it, and I like the idea of that—that that it's like reaching out to the parts of gaming communities that are have an audience and have a voice, and soliciting That's a good voices idea, yeah. to participate in. Even though I didn't necessarily enjoy any of the sketches or anything like that, and I didn't know who any of these people were except for the Mega Sixty Four guys. But um, it was—did they not like, have the Hey Ash guys? It was just like Mega Sixty Four and no. a bunch of other random dudes. Okay, yeah. yeah. I'm sure there are people who are who are known to not even eyes what it boils down to. But I like that idea of, like, embracing gaming culture, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, it's just, but man, if Joel, Joel McHale, I think he made three weird trans jokes, like, within the first hour. Yeah, it wasn't even about gaming and stuff, but it was a general, it, like, yeah, it was, it was, it was off-brand jokes altogether. It wasn't just necessarily like, oh, I'm a gamer and he's making fun of games and I don't like that, but it was, I mean, aside from also his general contempt of just even being there. I know that's kind was, of thing. That he's yeah. like a sardonic asshole. I get that that's kind of his character that he plays and his personality is that he's this douche. But I just, I didn't need one of the, I didn't want, like, to turn on this thing, this event show that is supposed to be created for gamers. And to have one of the first jokes that he makes is about how, you know, this, much like uh, the female orgasm, was not thought to exist. Or, like, something like that. And it's like, first thing. I felt like I was the brunt of the joke, and I yeah. was not welcome. That was like and how then it started. You got to put up with that for three fucking hours too. Yeah, it was really uncomfortable, and I just it's shit, son. Just why? Yeah. It was it was pretty funny seeing Jeff Keighley throwing uh, eye daggers at him the whole goddamn time. Where he really there was there was one point where I thought Jeff Keighley was actually going to say something. Where he was being such, uh, Joel McHale was being such a fuck. This this makes me even want to watch Community less moving. Let's put it this way: yeah, yeah this was bad enough where I like. I'm even a little bit less invested in watching Community from now on. He's kind of tainted my opinion of Joel McHale. Everyone's been like, I love Joel McHale and other stuff, but like, no, this really just makes Joel McHale look like a shithead. Um, not to say I can't enjoy anything uh, produced or hosted by shitheads in the in the right. past or future, but it's still but it's just, just like fuck man. that guy. Fuck I, that guy. I just it's it's weird. I know it's like. I'm a white American, and I don't often feel alienated from things. I'll just, I have that privilege. And even as a woman, even as a lesbian, I have been yeah. blessed that for the most part, I have been in circles and been in places where I've been, always been made welcome. And also, frankly, I'm kind of oblivious, so a lot of things that are, like, aimed at me to put me down kind of sail over my head. But shit, I'm tired of being involved in gaming things that immediately something happens or mm-hmm. something ha- that, that just makes it clear that it, I am not welcome there. I'm just tired of it. It's just, mm-hmm. it's not okay. It's not okay that this thing that's like this, this, this medium that has nothing to do with, like, that has this culture steeped around it. I mean, comics has the same thing, but it's just so fucking frustrating. It's unnecessary. And why would you exclude people from your audience? Like, I just don't understand mm-hmm. it. It's like, especially from, it's like Pax all over again, when you're coming from the perspective of potentially a marginalized person who's been picked on for this thing that you're passionate about, why do you turn into a bully yourself? I just don't get it. It's so unnecessary. You should always, if if you're going to be a wise ass in situations like this, you should punch up, not down. 
Exactly. It's just that. Like, that's that's yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway. It could have been worse. They could have had Microhula Coast. <laughs> oh, I remember. Uh, so, you know what, Annie? As uh, I can empathize with you being a uh, lesbian woman, being feeling uh, alienated from gaming culture, since I am a Nintendo fan <laughs> and a Wii owner. <laughs> uh, that's one of the things. Joe McHale really went after Reggie Philomy, uh when he was showing off Donkey Kong about, oh, how many how many games have you sold? Like, got really aggressive oh. with him about, like... The, I had like, muted that segment. I actually didn't listen to that segment. It was really... And Reggie obviously did not see that shit coming. That got really uncomfortable. We're just like, wow. <laughs> yeah, Reggie's gonna have some strong words with the producers once that segment was over, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, well, it doesn't help that um, Nintendo really trumped up that they were gonna have a cr- big, crazy announcement at the video game experience. And yeah, it just turned out to be that Cranky Kong is a playable character in the next Donkey Kong. <laughs> that was fun. And it was funny because I guess that got leaked, and a lot of people assumed that must be some kind of a joke. And like, everyone, like, it became the thing on the internet where that may be something Nintendo may mention, but that can't be the whole thing. That but can't nope, be it. that's that. Nintendo's in the middle of a. The second season of. The second Christmas of their console just flat out fucking dying on shelves. And that is the one big gaming the announcement they have is you can play as Cranky Kong. Oh, no Smash Brothers, no Mario Kart, no nothing. Just here's you can play as this character you don't give a shit about in this game that you don't give a shit about. So yeah, I'll play Donkey Kong in the Wii. I don't know. I'll borrow your Wii U, blow the five inches <laughs> you, of dust. You off totally the top can of it. if you want to. I mean, if you want to go have on the game, I can play it, and then you can play it. I mean, you still I have my you still have my DS copy of the last Donkey Kong I game do. too. I'm like halfway which is still it. good. Um, so yeah, so we talked about Tress Effects, Cranky Kong, uh, the big announcements. Oh, yeah. So uh, Telltale had two announcements. Yeah. My joke was, my terrible joke on Twitter that I should have crafted better was that I guess the X in VGX stands for the number of uh, Telltale announcements. Is that they opened with the Tales from Borderlands, so they called it. Um, yeah. A Borderlands game set in, or it should be a Telltale game set in the Borderlands universe, which is interesting, frankly. You know, I'm down. I'm totally down. Uh, it's, everyone was making fun of it because, yeah, Borderlands... Borderlands does have uh, characters and story and stuff, but it's super fucking paper thin. It's just an excuse to go out and shoot stuff. And uh, Anthony Birch uh, did some funny stuff where he tried to make that stuff as kind of funny as possible, even though he did rely a little bit too much on internet memes and bullshit that uh, alienated a lot of people. But it's hard to get snarky about this when Telltale did so good by... With The Walking Dead, which was... That was a video... That was a TV show and a comic book I cared nothing about. But their video game easily became the best part of that whole franchise. It's entirely possible um, they could do the same thing with Borderlands, even though it, the the Telltale crew that kind of made The Walking Dead so special are no longer at Telltale. You never know. Um, the best possible thing that could happen would be the Telltale game enriches the Borderlands world uh, enough that it makes the actual the world of Borderlands more interesting going into the inevitable third Borderlands game. Um, so, it's, I don't know, we'll see. It's... it's, it's it's, I think it's just smart if for no other reason than one thing I've always... I've played every Telltale game. Um, yeah. They have a pretty spotty history, but one thing that they've... One of the reasons why I was so impressed with Walking Dead beyond anything else is that they hit upon a visual style that really complemented um, the Telltale engine. That yeah. it turned a lot of the Telltale engine's weaknesses into strengths. As opposed to pushing, like, maybe reaching beyond their grasp. And, like, you know, the Jurassic Park game looked 
And, I mean, it was not a good game in many ways, but it, w- it didn't look right. Like, it just didn't yeah. look appealing or interesting. And The Walking Dead looked great. It wasn't fancy. It wasn't, they didn't do any sort of crazy new shit, but they figured out how to use their engine well and to, to tell an emotional and emotive story with their, you know, comparatively speaking, simplistic graphics. And I think uh, they did, they, they tweaked it with fables and they did something that's still very complimentary to the source material. And that Borderlands house style is like a perfect pairing for no, what it's, Telltale's it's, it's, doing. Yeah, when they first, when I saw the trailer, I was like, that's hilarious because they look like Telltale, Telltale characters and Borderlands characters. Because that's what the Borderlands <laughs> style is, that Telltale, the cel-shaded faux kind of like line arts yeah. characters defined by that stuff, which is fantastic. And I like think you are playing to their strength, which is yeah, great. And, and, and from a narrative point of view, Borderlands is kind of an empty enough thing that Telltale can kind of do whatever the hell they want, unless there's some yeah. kind of deal with Borderlands with, like, Anthony Birch and Randy Pitchford where they have to follow a very specific storyline and and un- unless one of those guys are actually help writing it. Like, yeah, Telltale can do whatever the hell they want in that world. And it's just a big, goofy science fiction world full of, like, yeah. gangsters and bounty hunters, and you can tell almost any kind of story in there. So that's interesting, because that, that, that's the one uh, franchise they've picked up where they can kind of do whatever the hell they want. It doesn't matter. Exactly, because it's interesting. Because like, with Walking Dead, there's very loaded, like, world and tone, and there are certain yeah. stories you tell in Walking Dead, and Wa- Walking Dead is all about high stakes and cliffhangers. That's what yeah, the even Walking if, Dead Even if you're just coming up with your own characters, it's still, yeah, you have to strike a very specific kind of tone. Exactly. And, yeah. and Fables is so fucking, there's so, like, there's like a hundred issues of Fables. There's pretty established lore and universe and, and narratives and all that stuff. Yeah. And, uh, the, uh, um, uh, and they, it's interesting. Yeah, with Borderlands, they can do pretty much whatever they want as long as they're goofy as hell doing it. So, bless, bless, uh, so what else? One, uh, well, blah, 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 the blah, other blah. thing. So speaking of Telltale, the other Telltale announcement was that they are. The rumors are true. They are doing a Game of Thrones game. Oh my god! And it seems to be. It seems to be specifically. There have been Game of Thrones games, but none of them were really strongly linked with the TV show. And they used imagery and music from the TV show. Oh really? Because I heard they didn't have to actually. This is not going to have anything to do with the TV show. Oh, is it not? Because the the throne. I mean, they were using what? I, granted, oh, I, I had at heard. It. Oh, because uh, that because I heard uh, people were suspecting because that announcement that like there were going to be no, they didn't have the likeness rights to any of the characters or anything like that. Oh, that I'll believe. I'll believe they uh, can't afford Which people rights. were wondering if uh, this also from a story perspective, it wouldn't uh, just make the most sense if this is going to be a prequel, and not oh, just absolutely. a prequel, but a game that takes place during the War of Rebellion. Yeah. You know, a good 15 years before, which that totally... Because, well, you could still have it take place in the universe of the TV show. You could have the music and you have the aesthetics and everything like that. But you don't have to worry about likeness rights because these are all characters you've never yeah. seen before. Yeah. And uh, you can kind of create your own story because this is... It's it's a world that hasn't... It's it's, a, it's part of the story has not been shown in the TV show before. And also that makes it more interesting if you want to play. Here is this, like... I mean, I don't, I don't know what kind of story they would tell in there... I don't know if they would be free to create their own characters or if they'd really have to slot it into something very specifically like, I don't know, like maybe you're, you're, it's an adventure told in, in King's Landing of the day that, you know, Robert Baratheon finally knocked down the walls and kind of marched yeah. in there or something like that. But I gotta I don't say, know, be interesting to see what happens, you know. I'm most in, more intrigued than anything else, like I said, with the visuals. Like, what the hell is that going to look like? Yeah. That's probably, where I'm probably cel shaded, and everyone walks like a, like a Rudolph Red Nose Reindeer character. That's I my really, suspicion. 
like Telltale, I I enjoy what they do. I and I'm glad they exist, but they have a very certain like they they have a house camera style. They yeah. have a house like visual style, and it does not. It is not Game of Thrones. Either. What so I would have, if I were those guys, what I would do is make something that kind of looks. If it's going to be a historical prequel thing, you'd do something that kind of looks like the Bayou Tapestry, except it's two D animated and side scrolling and. So you kind of well, sidestep the whole great. 3D modeling thing? To you kind of make it look like you, an illuminated text. Yeah, like, honestly, if... I mean, they're not. The What little we saw in the trailer, the vibe I got is it's going to be... See, I didn't even see the trailer. That I, I turned off the show before then. Teaser, so I've say. only heard in the news about this is happening, so I don't even know what the... Yeah. But the, I, the No like, Man's... Like, the No Man's Sky thing I had to look up later, because I was like, oh, that, sounds, that actually sounds like the one interesting thing to come out of the whole show, but, yeah. The, uh, the, they did a game called Puzzle Quest that was, uh, Graham Annable, based on, like, kind of the, the world and style of Graham Annable. Yeah, well, I would actually kind of kill to see something like that, except yeah. it's, it's, yeah, kind of like an illuminated style. Yeah, uh, Puzzle Quest is a fully 2D game, and it looks, it's really, it's very cute. It's essentially, um, if you ever want to play a game that's Professor Layton through the lens of Twin Peaks... Pick up, uh, pick up Puzzle Quest. It's a fun. Yeah, game there's two of those Puzzle Quest games too. They eventually yeah. came out with the sequel. Yeah, but uh, they're, uh, you know, I would love to have like a, a balls out 2D game, even though it's very in its own way limiting and expensive. But... That's that is not what people would, ex- would expect from a Game of Thrones licensed game too. They no. would expect 3D and stuff, especially but, like, not artistically. From yeah. Which like in a perfect a world, I would want a game that looks like Full Throttle, set in the in the Game of Thrones universe. Yeah. Ideally, I Bone would have just been a two D adventure game too. Let's but that, not talk about that game. Uh, so yeah, No Man's Sky. That was the biggest thing to come out of the VGX by far. Uh, did you see the trailer for that? I did. Like I said, I watched all of VGX, but I gotta say, can you explain? I was not really paying attention to it because it didn't seem like my bag. What exactly is? They've been uh, vague about what the actual gameplay is. Uh, so the setup for No Man's Sky. I'm, sh- I'm assuming if you care about video games or have listened to the podcast this long to hear us talk about this particular video game, uh, you may already know that um, uh, it's it's an, a procedurally generated, randomly generated uh, world. Um, about you, you, everyone who plays the game, they, everyone who plays, whether it's console, PC, supposedly are sharing the same universe. I don't know if that means, um, the the universe is shared across platforms or if everyone who's playing the Xbox version has its own Xbox specific universe. Regardless, uh, you're just a spaceship, uh, captain who is charged with, everyone's just trying to get to the center of the universe. Okay. And I don't know, they haven't said a fictional reason as to why your character is trying to get into the fictional universe. All they've said that, like, it will reward players who actually eventually work their way from the outward uh, outer rim of the universe to the center of the universe. You'll get some kind of crazy reward when you finally get there. So the game itself is you're uh, hops, uh, 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 hip-hopping from one planet to not not hip-hopping, you're not dancing from one planet to another. Keep going. You're leapfrogging from one planet to another, just try, trying to eventually make your way from the Outer Rim to the center of the galaxy to reclaim this reward the developer is supposed to give you. Um, and all the uh, all the planets and the environments within the planets and even the life forms on those planets are all supposed to be randomly generated. Hmm. Uh, the game is being put together by... Uh, supposedly the team right now is only four people big. They only had enough people just to put, kind of put this, this trailer together and... and and build up a couple of the basic systems to create the the, the trailer. So who knows when this game is going to come out. There's no official release date or anything like that. But yeah, it's supposed to be... It really just... It sounds like Mega Minecraft where... 
they show space spaceship con- uh, spaceship uh, combat in the game, hmm. but there doesn't they don't seem to have come up with any kind of like fiction in the game. Like there's no factions or anything yet created. All there no all it really is is just like you were going to be going from planet to planet. Um, you could go from the bottom of the ocean up onto the shore into your spaceship, fly up in the atmosphere, and fly to any other star without any loading screen. That's from nuts. one planet to the other. Um, and also, there's a big exploration. Like Minecraft, there's an exploration element in this. Every planet you find not doesn't get named after you, but will if, in the official space registry uh, is labeled. This planet has been discovered by whatever your username is. And you that you that so you kind of cut a path throughout the galaxy, and everything that you dis- uh, discover gets added to this essentially space atlas. And everyone's trying to figure out figure out the easiest path from the outer rim to the center. And so mm-hmm. other people are following each other. Assumingly that, that that's how it's going to work. This all sounds very kind of vague, and who knows if any of this is going to work? Who knows knows if this game ever actually comes out? But it is a very interesting idea for a game where it really is just this whole universe you could explore from. Yeah, explore from the bottom of the ocean to another star that is procedurally generated, that is a huge galaxy that everyone's just sharing, and just, you could work together, you could work against other people. Supposedly, the closer you get to the center of the galaxy, there's more bad guys you have to fight, so you kind of have to unite with other people to get uh, through there. And no one, they're not saying what happens, like, if you're supposed to get to the center. Um, Some people seem to suspect that, like, maybe once you get to the center, the reward is that you get to somehow impact... Like the game will may work in seasons. This is not. This is the the creators haven't said nothing about this, but this is other people trying to figure out how a game like this would work, where like what happens when you get to the center, um, and and what the mission everyone's mission is is completed. Um, maybe the game resets, but like, when it resets, whoever has gotten to the center maybe gets to name the next galaxy or have some kind of impact about. So it's always an incentive to always be the first one in there. It's be the fart fuck galaxy. Oh, it could be. Who knows? Um, And because the galaxy is always randomly generated, it's a different experience every time, every season, if they just reset the whole map, if that's what they're going to do. Who knows if that's actually going to work? It sounds like the creators themselves are not still quite sure about how this is going to work, but it's just an interesting idea. And of all the, isn't it by the team who did the Joe Danger games? Which I forgot even existed. Yeah, which who like everyone's like from. That's like finding out the guy, like the guy who works the counter at Pizza Hut, just saw just just invented cold fusion, and you're like, (laughs) that sounds fucked up. And I don't know if that's going to work, but if, if that's true. Good for him and good for us humanity. That's going to be a good I'm time. I'm just excited like, that we're in this moment when indie games can do all this crazy bullshit. It's awesome. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. Just from this pitch alone, this this game already sounds way more interesting than Titanfall or Destiny or any other big budget space game that's coming out anytime soon. Yeah. And like, who knows? Yeah. By the time when it does come out in 2016, it could just be essentially just Minecraft with spaceships where it's something like nothing is randomly generated anywhere except for, like, whatever. It could be way limited compared to what this is. This could be one of those things where when the game finally comes out, we're going to be looking back, oh, remember the first trailer that they showed this when this game looked like it was going to look like this, but it looks like that? Oh. But who knows? Hey, Bill, know. it's got to be exhausting to be a negative Nelly about everything that you're excited about. <laughs> I'm just saying, if it gets Bioshock Infinite, it, which is entirely possible, because even Bioshock Infinite would seem to have a pretty uh, clear path of design, which seemed to be kind of designed when the trailers were coming out. Turns out those guys didn't know what the fuck they were doing. They, they already had a pretty linear idea of what they were supposed to be, what the game was supposed to be, and they couldn't even do that. Um, no Man's Sky seems like an even bigger challenger. Right, Bill, big, let's just go challenge. back to something we could be excited about, like Jennifer Lawrence being Indiana Jones. 
excited, but I, yeah, you just have to take it on faith that, like... Oh, yeah, I know, I know. The, I'm just yeah. giving you garbage. A teaser trailer, especially if they've only been working on this game for eight months, like, you never know. And even if this game comes out, who knows? Microsoft may end up throwing a whole bunch of money at this to make it only an Xbox One exclusive, which will lock out a lot of people. Uh, you know, you never know. Even if the game comes out, like, there could be, like, ah, be kind of, ah. That would suck. It would be great to have for everyone could play this game. But the fact that this is an indie game, yeah, that's that's the thing I keep on yeah. forgetting about, too. This isn't, like, EA announcing something this crazy. The fact that it's a couple of guys essentially still working out of a garage. What I think is cool. This is one that's of the nuts. things I liked about VGX is that m- the most exciting things that happened during VGX were not from big giant developers. It wasn't Nintendo's announcement that people are still thinking about. It's this four man team who did this do- Joe Danger game. You know, it's like people wondering about the next Telltale game. That's kind of yeah. That could be the future of gaming right there. I mean, that's that's happening more and more often. Where yeah, the indie stuff is actually the interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, in other news, the MPD numbers came out. Uh, PS4 is number one. The Xbox One sold fastest, and Wii U and Mario did terribly. Yeah, so uh, Microsoft uh, trumpeting how it sold fastest seemed to suggest that if uh, the Xbox One had been on shelves for three weeks, like the Xbox, uh, like the PlayStation Four had been, rather than two weeks, like the Xbox One was, that it would have. It sounds like they're suggesting that it would have eventually outsold the PlayStation 4. But it doesn't matter. Play Sony gets to Trump. Hey, we're the first, we're the top-selling console in the first month out, which... Who would have thought that would happen six mo- even six months ago? That the PlayStation 4 would so, like... Who knows if it would easily outsold the Xbox One, but... I don't know. It's interesting. That, that, that definitely sets, a, sets the tenor for the future of the console war for the near future, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll be more interesting to see what December sales are like when both... both uh, consoles are out in the open and everyone can buy one. Although people have making, been making a huge deal out of the fact that Amazon keeps on getting fresh Xbox One stock in all the time, and that does not sell out very quickly at all. Which some people are suggesting by the fact that the virtual... By virtue of the fact that Amazon, or Microsoft seems to be filling Amazon with so much stock of Xbox Ones, that means they must be selling a ton. Or by virtue of the fact that those consoles aren't selling out very quickly, that means that they're not selling well at all. And so everyone's, it's totally a half, glass half full, glass half empty kind of situation when it comes to, I mean, it's Amazon, you can't judge everything by Amazon. <laughs> I was going to say, but, tell me more about people checking the status, the software. It's just kind of funny. That, but, the, but, but the important thing is both consoles sold over a million. Yeah. Yeah, they supposed to sold super well, while the Wii U is fucking dying. Like, literally dying. Like, it's getting bad enough where... You kind of wonder if it's not going to be discontinued. They're going to have to completely rebrand the whole thing next year. They're going. They're going to have to. T- they're going to have to make the the, the gamepad optional. They're going to have to do something where they're going to have to change the name from Wii U to fucking the Nintendo Entertainment System Part Two or the fucking I don't know. They're they're going to have to do something with that next year. Poor Nintendo. Urgh. What kills me is that all these consoles. We're talking about consoles that still don't have a really compelling game on any mm-hmm. of them. It's, no. This is- so, I mean, Super Mario 3D Land is one of the best games of the year, and that just came out for the Wii U. That That is a fantastic game. That is but true. if Excuse you're tired me. of Mario, though, yeah, it is just... I've, I've heard other people make this argument. Like, it could be the best fucking Mario game in the world. But if you've already played, a, like, a 16 Mario games in your life, yeah. you really need a 17th, even if it's the best one ever. And, and it's and like Xbox One and PS4, there's still, like, I, my wife and I were talking about what to get for Christmas, get each other for Christmas, and I made a comment, I was like, well, you know, you could get with my family and get me a PlayStation 4. But the fact of the matter is, that even though I rationally want one, there is literally no reason for me to get one. Tomb Raider. It's just not. Tomb Raider. <laughs> and then you, 
then you get to borrow the two games I've bought from my PlayStation for. You get to play Assassin's Creed 4 all over again. Yeah, I get to play Assassin's Creed all over again and friend loan me ghosts. So is Conley super? Is Conley like? Her, is her family super Sony fans or something? Why do you say that? No, because you said she you, she wants you to get with her family. Is that not what you just said? That Conley was trying to seduce you into buying a PlayStation Four because that's what her family had. No. Am I making? Thi- oh my god! I'm having one of this my my, my schisms again. <laughs> one of your Whoa. moments. <laughs> yeah, one of my no, I said moments. no. I'm trying. No, Foley. Suddenly, all I can to smell get, is peanut Foley butter. Foley was trying to get my family. I suggested that she could get with my family to buy me a PlayStation. Oh, board. I see. I see. That's I see. what I said. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Those are my words. I'm Those sure I enunciated clearly. Uh, in other news, a Boston set Fallout 4 looked to be a real thing after all. Yes, the Fallout 4 teaser website turned to be an elaborate trolling, but there were some casting sheets released into the wild that suggested this Boston stuff may have some uh, basis in reality. How do you like them apples, Annie? I enjoy them greatly. I want another Fallout game so bad. I'm super excited about it, mostly because uh, when Fallout 3 came out, Foley and I had really we're not that long together dating and um fallout 3 is not a fun game to watch someone else play <laughs> especially if you are not a gamer and you have no context for it and you have no association with it and it's just she uh at the time called herself a fallout widow and it was not uh, the most fun but then uh at least in terms of a game we could play together we played fallout new vegas together and by the time new vegas came out she was more on team video games and also fallout new vegas has a bell in it so we had a great time playing fallout new vegas i can't wait for a fallout game a Legit ass next gen Fallout game that I could play with my wife. It's gonna be great. I, I'm, uh, I'm ready to spend another 300 hours in the Fallout world. Did you not buy a Fallout um, Good Old Games this weekend? Is that all PC I only? I, no, it's a, it's for Mac too. Yeah, 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 motherfucker, get on it. I am literally going there right. Is that still on? I think it ends today. So you gotta. Fuck! Do it I now, didn't even assume. Shit, yeah, dude. Because I would love yeah. to play those old games. Man, okay, oh, the I'm gonna not, why... I'm gonna shoot myself in the balls. <laughs> the only reason why I, I wish that there was a cheater out for Mac because I love Fallout Fallout 2, but I love those games even more when I can just max out my stats and do whatever the fuck I want. Uh, anyway, I in no other I... news, Oh, son of a bitch! What? They're only they're they're now four dollars a piece, which is untenable. <laughs> I I've, I'm so I got so much other shit to play right now. That's not actually an issue. But I, yeah, I had no idea they actually had night games. I have to keep an eye on good old yeah. games in the future. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, in other news, uh, there's going to be a new Netflix show about drunk cartoon horses. Yeah, Netflix just announced that their new show is going to be involving uh, it's like Amy Sedaris, uh, Will Arnett, uh, a couple other weirdos. Uh, yeah, something about, like, some kind of cartoon, like, <laughs> cartoon horse real estate agency or something. It just sounded so off the wall. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> we'll find out more about this later. But, yeah, it seems like, like, they're stabbing at some kind of weird adult swim kind of bullshit. So, I'm glad to see the branching out. It's not, it doesn't always have to be live action. I don't know. Maybe this is going to be My Little Pony pre- uh, sequel. It takes place 20 years after all the My Little Ponies grew up and they all just became tired and drunk. <laughs> there um, we go. Uh, clearly you haven't read my My Little Pony fanfiction, Bill. Do you know why uh, they turn into humans and start wearing clothes? Didn't they walk through a portal? A Is that what happened? Portal? I thought they just kind of like I thought that's they just evolved. That's their final form. Yeah, they grew they grew human vaginas and suddenly have to oh, cover stop, them up with stop. underwear. 
Stop. What happens when they walk back through the portal and have to get used to the fact they can't feed themselves anymore? Hmm. Used to get back to used to pooping in the grass. You had put Mighty Number Nine community stuff on the notes, but I don't really want to talk about it. No, it's fine. It all ended well. The internet did it. The internet. No, the internet learned its lesson and it never happened again. We all made a Christmas wish, wish that nothing, the internet would never prosecute anyone for no reason ever again. Um, and it, hey, guess what? It worked. They're all dead. They fucking blew up. This, I, I, yeah, we don't talk about it now. We're definitely not going to talk about it in there during next week's Christmas podcast, which means we'll never ever talk about it. Which may be for all the Christmas. You know what? Pe- people at home, if you have a soul, if just Google Mighty Number no. Nine. I don't know, assholes or something, you'll find out what what we're talking about and you'll understand. <laughs> if you have a human soul, you'll understand why we're kind of aggravated by this. And you know what? I feel like it's such a shitty situation for so many reasons. I feel terrible for this poor woman. I feel... And I feel terrible for, like, the mighty number nine people just because her job is ultimately to be a community manager. And the community is being pricks to her. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's no... That's not... It's not going to be terribly effective for her to do her job. So what do you do? Like, what do you do? Literally, in that situation, it's just You know what you worst. do? You go fucking... You, you, you go take a video of yourself beating Mega Man 2 and at the end they say, Fuck it, nerds. Suck my dick. <laughs> I can't believe... Oh, my fucking God. Anyway, yeah. In, like, 20... You know what? That whole thing, I felt, like, was, like, the perfect distillation of internet tempest in a teapot bullshittery. Like, well, did you hear about the, the Depression Quest stuff, too? So, all I saw with the Depression Quest stuff was people retweeting her, talking about about her experience during it and how she wasn't going to be quiet. What exactly happened, dare I So, ask? the lady who created a game called Depression Quest, uh, she put it on Steam, where it has to be greenlit by the community to get passed. People were pissed off because it was about depression, because it was made by a woman and stuff. Not only was she getting attacked by nerds who hate women who may ever want to make a game, especially a game that's a non-game that would be about depression, but she was also being being attacked by depression people people by by people like advocates for the mentally ill saying that like she doesn't she's not depressed enough to justify making game out of it like she's being attacked by both sides where you had the nerds just being like fuck you go make me a sandwich and then you had like the tumblr teens doing the whole you're not depressed enough to make a game about my illness so this is a pretty good week to want to blow up the internet on all fronts (laughs) goodwill towards men right is there anything worse than than allies picking on allies? It's mm-hmm. the worst. Oh, God. I know. That's when 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 was it? Um, when General Maidine in The Empire Strikes Back, when he doesn't let Luke go out in the snow, I'm like, allies should always be working together in this Rebel Alliance. <laughs> what? And to end on a note that won't make us want to kill ourselves, or it will want to make us kill ourselves. <laughs> no, because we're, we're going to get killed. We're, we're gonna get hunted down by robots as a result of this. Exactly. Uh, Google bought the robotics company Boston Dynamics, which was notable for they made the video with the big dog, which was the robot that was walking around and it, it you could kick it and it would still keep going. Yeah. Google has bought a number of robotics companies over the last year. I think this is the sixth robotic company they've purchased. Yeah. What are they doing? This is not. This cannot end well. <laughs> 
was essentially yeah. an advertising company. What the hell are they doing buying military robot people? Yes. It's just like, ooh. yeah, yeah. Yep. Welcome to our dystopian present, everybody. Welcome yeah, my joke our... was that they're building robot bodyguards to protect the people wearing Google Glass <laughs> who are likely to get beat up because they're wearing Google Glass. Uh, yeah, oh. so in the course of the last year, you've had Google investing in military robot hardware. You have Amazon investing in military drones to drop off shit over your house. And then you have uh, Microsoft's original vision for the Xbox, which is a TV that spies into your house with an always-on uh, mandatory internet connection, being uh, hosted by a company that is known to just easily, just on a whim, hand over personal information to the government. Yeah, this is this is totally like a year where, yeah. like, if you weren't a tinfoil hat-wearing motherfucker before, now maybe... I can't blame you if you sound like a crazy person when you hear this shit in the news, where it's just like, yeah, man... Yeah, the Ron Swanson lifestyle sounds more and more appealing day by day. Yeah. That's the thing. I can't even begin to fathom what Google is so interested in robotics for. Unless, I... It was well, some kind of... Like, their whole... Like, they have the unmanned cars doing Google Maps and shit. Like, if their whole thing is that they want to be a thorough... If they want to thoroughly document all of human experience and all of human technology, that that's basically their thesis as a company beyond AdWords. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Who knows what the fuck they're going to do with this garbage? It's Maybe. Like... Maybe this is, this is like the start of Blade Runner. They're going to start building replicants. <laughs> or so, I'm trying to put a positive spin on this. Not that like a Blade Runner universe is, is something I look forward to. to. No, this is great. This is exactly like the replicants of Blade Runner. It's fine. It's better than robots kicking down your door if you don't use Google. If you don't use Google Chrome on in your browser, <laughs> or what oh, the fuck? I don't. That's yeah. Anyway. Hey everybody! Before we sign off, I did want to talk about one thing. If I could do a little bit of cross promotion, yeah. Uh, my other podcast have made up some passive allusions to it. The Ladylike Book Club is coming up on its one year anniversary in January, and we are having a contest. We are inviting uh, Ladylike listeners to write a short piece of fiction relevant to the Ladylike Book Club's interests. Therefore, happy love stories about ladies kissing on ladies, and the winner selected by the Ladylike Book Club will receive every book we read for one calendar year. So I'm a just physical saying, copy or like a Kindle copy or what? It'll be up, it'll be up to the determination of the winner and where oh, they're located nice. in the world. So we'll see how easy it will be to get to them if someone like the station in Antarctica wins. But yeah, we're going to be uh, doing that. So if you are of a writerly inclination and uh, are interested in books about ladies kissing, uh, feel free to enter. Uh, this is this is our way of segueing into mentioning the, the Boy Howdy podcast contest, which is uh, if you write us, if you make an awesome big budget movie about us, <laughs> we will gift you a copy of every uh, media product and or video game console we talk about for the course of the next year. Oh Christ! The movie has to be good though. It has to be have a Metacritic score of ninety seven or uh, above. We're not going to take no. some fucking Paul. No, Bill. The, it's gonna be if you can make homies of us in Saints Row Five, then uh, then they'll win the property. I'm just saying. No, that's cool though. I love that. But that uh, for reference, we're kidding. We've joked about the con. Oh, I've joked about contests before in the past, and we've gotten emails from people being, "Are you serious about giving away your Xbox?" I'm like, no, I'm keeping my Xbox. That was a joke on the podcast. Um, also, Annie still has to send out. Um, 
literally, like, I, I have, here's the box of my cookies, is on top of the stack of six guns I have to be like. We got an email from one of the six gun listeners this week saying, hey guys, I want to be a dick, but it's been two months. And I was like, I'm oh, the worst. Shit. I have to mail Christmas presents this weekend. I'm going to mail them. Well, that's the thing. I don't want to give any, any credit, or uh, I don't want to give any, any credit. I don't want to give any, any guff. Either. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to give you any uh, guff because you're the person who always concocts and manages all these contests. And so I, I think it's very cool that for both the Boy Howdy podcast and for, uh, 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 What's your other podcast called? They just had a mental fart. The Lady Like Book Lady Club. Like LadyLikeBookClub.com. Um, yeah, so Annie well, just does it on her own schedule. So, yeah. We're very lucky in that both podcasts have, we have really great listeners. Like, Boy Howdy has some of the most amazing listeners. You're all total sweethearts. You put up with our terrible garbage. It's really much appreciated. Like, y'all are all, every single Boy Howdy listener that I've interacted with, online or off, has been an absolute treat and pleasure. So yeah. I feel very grateful for you guys. Annie, you and I, we have to record in person next week, so you can give me the testicle pills. I'll give you your Vita back. <laughs> and, what, there was another reason? I could I could make you a steak on, 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 oh no, we gotta eat some curly whirlies. We gotta drink some more tea. I we got was drinking my tea, thank you. We gotta was... we gotta finish off those goddamn Tim Tams. Yeah, son. And maybe I'll maybe I'll man, can I fry up a Tim Tam in Maxwell Motley's frying pan? <laughs> man, and a boy howdy listener just uh I hate DRM gifted me with the um uh, Quest for Glory games from Sierra on Good Old Games. Whoa. So we have really we have really awesome, awesome listeners. Y'all are all great. Thank you so much for putting up with us. Is I hate DRM watching us right now? Uh, I don't know. This is the worst podcast. I'm so sorry. We shouldn't <laughs> have been able to talk to... Hey, oh, everybody. We end is... the podcast. Yeah, let's move <laughs> Hey, everybody. This is the Boy Howdy Podcast. <laughs> Next week, we'll yammer at you about more garbage. Uh, as always, we're um, uh, boyhattypodcast.com. We're at boyhattypodcast on the Twitters. You can leave us a review on iTunes if you're so inclined. And uh, you can yammer at us anytime you want by using contact form on boyhattypodcast.com. We love you all and wish you well. Merry Christmas, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.